Hey guys, so before we start this episode, just wanted to let you know that we had some technical difficulties and we did have to end up using a backup track for um, Joe's track in this episode. Um, and unfortunately, you can hear both her and both of us on that track. So I'm going to try and edit out as much as possible. But if you end up hearing some double talking, um, that's why. Um, please bear with us for this episode and it'll be back to normal very soon. Thank you. Enjoy the finale episode. They did a little blinky blink and Sora's like, hey, what about me? Hey, (laughs) give me a blinky blink. (laughs) Where's my blinky blink? Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And for our fun fact for this episode, we are talking about what we are doing in quarantine. Now, this episode doesn't come out until the beginning of May, so I'm, like, having maybe some hopes that, like, this isn't as relevant anymore, but right now it is super relevant. Um, What I've been doing in quarantine, I've definitely still been working on all of our various podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, I have lost my job, but that's okay because the government is being kind to me. Yes. So I've just been doing that. And then I've been working on my embroidery business that I started, um, which is mostly just because I think it's fun. (laughs) And it's just nice that people also like them. And you're a millennial, so you have to monetize your hobbies in order to exist. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I guess it's just regular apocalyptic these days. (laughs) Yeah. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And during quarantine, I have picked up like a thousand new arts and crafts hobbies to do. Tell me more. Um, I just learned how to work with clay. Mm-hmm. So now I think I'm a clay master. I'm not. Okay. But I definitely learned how to work with clay. I've been making a ton of like stuff for my shop and stuff. So I've actually been doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. As long as I have something to do with my hands, I can get by. Yeah. And uh, this episode, our guest is Joe. Hello, ladies. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, of course. So you guys might recognize Joe from our finale podcast for last season, um, which was like two years ago. That's insane. <laughs> We've been going real slow through here, but it's been fun. And we are so excited that you are back. Thanks for having me. So um, during quarantine, I have been matching my sweats to my sweatshirts Great. and washing them frequently, learning to bake a little bit. And by that, I mean buying the ingredients for my wife to bake. And right, right, right. Same. <laughs> And doing an in- Instagram live chat show once or mm-hmm. twice a week with some uh, friends I made along the way because I am the co-founder of Cancer Gets Lost, a nonprofit that raises money for cancer charities via live and online charity auctions. And I've made a lot of friends along the way from interesting backgrounds. And I thought, well, everyone's at home and on Instagram. Why don't I do something? I like to moderate actor panels at conventions. Why don't I interview actors and, and other people in the industry on Instagram? Yeah, I was there for your entire first episode that you had on Friday. I listened to the whole thing while I played Harry Potter Lego. <laughs> that is a really excellent combination and I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. It was really good. It was really enjoyable. I love it. Thank you. You can find me on the interwebs at Opinionated, which is the word opinionated with the J. Yes. <laughs> Um, so who are some of your favorite characters on Lost? Uh, I know that we kind of had this whole conversation in the finale podcast for last season, but if people don't remember, remind us. Uh, first and foremost, always Team Dr. Juliet Burke is my number mm-hmm. one, my OG, my lady. And I'm not all biased because I have met and interviewed Liz Mitchell a few times. Um, she's an absolutely delightful human being. But I would say after that, 
Um, Hurley and Saeed and Ben Linus. Taste. Nothing but taste. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so what does Lost mean to you? You've been here for a long time. Yeah, I have been in the Lost community since 2004, um, since mm-hmm. the early days of MySpace and message boards. And I didn't start writing about it until season three, actually. I started my little silly blog back in the day, but back when social media was just taking off, it got some attention because I was very strictly spoiler-free and people had to be nice. There's a theme with me. I've always insisted (laughs) upon kindness. Um, Mm -hmm. So that still carries through to this day. But um, I sort of uh, became friendly with the cast and crew through social media because of my analysis of the show. And then when the show ended, I uh, needed something to do, like everyone does when their favorite show ends. And uh, mm-hmm. this was sort of, again, right, in, this was 2010, so social media existed, but it wasn't what it is today. Right. And long story short, a friend and a fellow fan and I um, were inspired by Friends with Cancer and by the Lost Auction, and we combined those two ideas to create Cancer Gets Lost and here we are in 2020, and we started our first auction in 2012. In eight years, we have raised and donated $330,000 to cancer charities. That is so much money. Like, that's like, like <laughs> so amazing. the amount of like help that must have been to literally anybody that you've given money for. Like, I can't even quantify that amount of money in my brain. Yes, thank you. That's it's, so much money. It's, it's a, an absolute pleasure to run CGL, and um, I do it my spare time as a passion project. And if I get a little overclamped, it's just that, you know, right now there's a lot going on out there. And medical and healthcare is such an essential service, and they're at the front lines. And my dad, who is, knock on wood, cancer-free right now, has chemo tomorrow. It's maintenance chemo as part of a clinical oh, trial. Wow. So we're very a little bit on edge about that, because even though he obviously will take the, all the precautions, and it's a very sterilized environment, the chemotherapy center, um, you know, Right now, more than ever, usually it was just this is routine and now everything has changed. So we're a little on edge about that. But this is why I do things like Cancer Sauce. It gives me an outlet for all of my emotions and for all of my passion. Um, and we're so lucky that my dad is cancer free. So we work on behalf of everyone else's family because it affects everybody. Of course. I sh- and we are the proud owners of many <laughs> items from Cancer Gets Lost. Our apartment is decorated with many of them. I love it. I love seeing the familiar names. It's always great to meet new people in the, in the fandom because here around 2020, the show started 16 years ago. It ended 10 years ago. And yet there are people like us who were watched it either right when it aired or right after. There mm-hmm. are new people to it of all ages who have streamed it. I think after the quarantine is over, we'll find a lot of new Lost fans, to be honest, because it's such a bingeable show and it's timely. And we can talk about it later, but I, I recently rewatched it as well. And I found that it it stands the test of time because you know why they don't use technology so you're not distracted by old cell phones and you're not distracted by politics what it is is a standalone adventure show on the beach yep I totally agree and I am hoping that like many of those new fans that we get are because of me I've been been putting in the work you have to get other people to be every single time someone says what should I watch it's like Robin is the Kool-Aid man like busting through the wall she's like watch lost yeah which is why you are my people of course. And thank you, by the way, for your constant support and plug for Cancer Gets Lost. We are entirely, like, our marketing and PR is all social media and kind friends like you. So thank you for that opportunity to always talk about it. Oh, of course. It's it's our pleasure. It's our honor to get to help. For the past, like, three auctions, I've had my eye on, like, a specific item. <laughs> and uh, this year I got to win it, so which was really exciting for me. Which is, tell everyone what it is. So it is... <laughs> And this doesn't make sense for the people who are watching, who are listening with us for the first time while they watch for the first time. This does come in in season five. Um, but basically, at some point, Hurley wears a yellow t-shirt that says, I heart my shih tzu on it. And, um, like, he literally, it's, it's one episode. Like, 
But I think I think it's totally believable because this show is just filled with joy, even though it's like dramatic sometimes. Yeah. It's like there's so many good moments of just like happiness that I think we all we always need in a drama show Mm -hmm. I think so that scene provided such levity um and obviously Mm -hmm. Hurley did a lot for us and I feel like he was sort of our surrogate for the audience Mm -hmm. and I think that that is such a delightful item I'm so glad that you won that it's signed by Jorge Garcia which is even better yeah it was very exciting um so let's get started talking about the episode Woohoo! today we have words to say about episode 224 of Lost live together die alone part two okay you have to do a shot because we we said it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, you guys, if you're listening to this, you've probably listened to our previous episode, which was Live Together, Die Alone, Part 1. Um, and so we talked a little bit about what that title meant last episode, which is basically just a big theme of the show. It was from Jack's speech in 105, and it's just kind of like a thing that people say throughout the show in which you kind of get to be like, oh, hey, they did the thing. It's like when Bellamy says, my sister, my responsibility, and you're like, ah, <laughs> I see what we're going for here. Um, So the broadcast date was May 24th, 2006. It was written by Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse, and it was directed by Jack Bender. So, Joe, I know that you've met Damon and Carlton. I personally have also met Damon, which was really exciting for me. Have you ever met Jack Bender? Yes, uh, a couple times, uh, I believe, at Giacchino's concerts in Los Angeles, and also Mm -hmm. when we were both a little bit tipsy at Comic-Con at a bar. I love that. That's just legendary behavior. Oh, he does so many good episodes. I mean, he's an amazing artist as well. So in addition to being executive Mm. producer, he painted the mural hatch. He painted the paintings in Widmore's office. He's an extraordinary artist and sculpturer. And I have uh, a swan hatch print in my office signed by him. It's just like, it's such a beautiful, actually strange piece of art. So yeah, he's he's a prolific artist and he has uh, books out and he's out there obviously still producing and and directing episodes of other television now. He's so cool. Yeah. I mean, to a person, they all are. Totally. Um, cool. So now Brittany is going to recap the episode and she's going to try and do it in under a minute. Um, and she definitely won't be able to do it. Uh, so we are going to speed her up so that she sounds funny because everyone thinks it's funny. Great. And by everyone, you mean you. And other people have commented. Okay. <laughs> in the past, Kelvin paints the blast door map while Desmond asks him about Radzinski, his old partner. He's dead, Jim. Des wants to go outside, but Calvin says nah. Des isn't happy. Dude, same. Later, he wakes up and finds Calvin drunk as a skunk near the hatch's failsafe. I'm sure that'll come back later. Des notices Calvin's suit has a hole in it when he prepares to leave the hatch. He decides to follow him up and discovers there's no radiation to be afraid of. It was all a lie. Not only that, but Calvin has Des's boat and is planning on bouncing. Des accidentally kills him in a fit of rage. He takes the failsafe key and runs for the hatch, managing to stop a meltdown at the last minute. Whew. A while after, Des is contemplating suicide. He opens up our mutual friend and finds Penny's note. That, combined with the sound of lock banging on the hatch, convinces him to live. If, um, I was him, lock banging on a hatch, I'd be like, mm, that's not a good sign. On the island, Saeed searches for the other shanty village and discovers it's all a ruse. He doesn't have enough of a plot in this episode and it's upsetting for me. The adventure gang finds tubes full of notebooks documenting everything that happened in the hatch. They see Saeed smoke from the village and realize Michael is once again leading them astray. They're ambushed as the whispers start up and are dragged to a pier. <laughs> Henry keeps his word to Michael and sends he and Walt off on a boat. He's keeping Jack, Kate, and Sawyer. Hurley can go free, though, because he's a uh, straight-up chiller. In the hatch, Echo decides to blow the hatch door while it's dynamite from the Black Rock. Spoiler alert, it super doesn't work. Des and Locke go back and forth on whether the hatch and the button are real for like half an hour. Des thinks the pearl is an experiment, not the hatch. But he realizes the info from the pearl indicates the plane crashed after the almost meltdown the day he killed Kelvin. Charlie has bomb ears. That's most of his plotline this episode. 
Locke smashes the computer because he has no respect for other people's property. They're really not pressing the button now. Des goes to look for our mutual friend because it's the end and all that. Inside is the failsafe key. He tells Locke he'll see him another life and goes to save them all. Locke realizes the button was real the whole damn time right as everything goes to hell. He tells Echo that he was wrong. Des turns the key and the whole island is engulfed in a bright light. On the beach, the hatch blast door hurdles out of the sky indicating the hatch is no more. At least Charlie lived and he reunited with Claire and they kiss and stuff. In Antarctica, is it Antarctica? Or something. In some really cold place, two men see the pulse from the hatch explosion. They call their boss, who turns out to be Penny Whitmore. They know where Des is. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, awesome. So we are going to move into uh, our actual notes. And we are going to start with the rescue. Then we're going to do the stuff that happens in the hatch. Then we're going to do the flashbacks. And then we're going to do the ending with Penny. So I will be summarizing each scene. And then we're going to chat about it, basically. This is a loaded episode. It really is. There's a lot no, of things. There's happened. no like fun little golfing B plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. it's, a, it's a finale for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's definitely a finale. Yeah. All right. So this is the first scene in the first storyline that we're going to be talking about. Saeed sneaks up to the other's camp and finds it deserted. He even opens the hatch doors that Michael mentioned, but there's nothing inside. The door goes nowhere. So basically we get this small scene, no lines. Um, It's just Saeed climbing up. There's nothing behind the door. However, there were theories, and I know you were like all about theories, Joe. So tell me if you ever thought about this, that potentially Saeed just didn't look hard enough and like there was something behind that rock wall. I never thought that. I just thought this is hilarious. This is welcome to others theater. Totally. Yeah, I don't I don't think so either, but I thought that theory was so interesting because I was like, I mean, I guess anything can be <laughs> anything's possible, really. Especially with them. Yeah. It's totally. like, okay, so what dramatics have you put on today? Yeah, exactly. I also love um, that that obviously existed before because they spray painted the Dharma logo on it. That was yeah. so funny. <laughs> like, oops, how oh man, like Sayid's usually so on top of it too. <laughs> so it's like when he's not, you're just like, oh no, they even like they even gotcha Saeed. He was thrown off by the four-toed statue, man. Yeah, totally. Yeah, he's still shaken from mm-hmm. that. So when do you think the others left here? Like as soon as Michael left? Uh, yeah, absolutely. They- I think that's their little fake theater camp. Obviously, we know where they live and it isn't there. And that's where they just put on their... That's where they mislead people. Yeah, I agree. My, my big question about this is that in three minutes, we see Clue asking Michael to bring the four people back here. Yeah. And then in a later scene this episode, it's kind of implied that Michael was told to bring them to like that clearing that they ended up in. And so that was kind of unclear to me as to where exactly they asked him to bring them back to. It was either continuity error or someone else had communicated to Michael another message, another location. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that makes sense because Michael actually just hid so much from them in this episode, like Mm -hmm. to the point where it just kind of broke Jack later. Yeah. Yeah. Jack was really upset. (laughs) Jack was like, I am not around anymore. Yeah. Jack was like, I was in on you before, but I am no longer in on it and I don't like it. (laughs) Team Michael is canceled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally, that's Jack's next tattoo. <laughs> All right, so next scene. The rescue team continues on their way to the camp. They discover a huge pile of canisters with notebooks inside. They are notes from the Pearl. They spot the black smoke that Saeed was going to send up, and it's way farther away from where they are than they expected. Michael, where are you leading us? The others attack, hitting our heroes with electric darts so they can't run away. Okay, so first of all, the pearl. (laughs) This is like, this changes everything, basically. Mm -hmm. Because we're told, okay, the swan is an experiment. We're told that when Echo and Locke get to the pearl. Mm -hmm. And now here is where we learn, okay, maybe the pearl is an experiment. 
And so now the question is, are they both experiments? Is only the pearl an experiment? Like, what what's going on here? Yeah, I'm not sure they ever explained it, but I thought the pneumatic tube thing was so cool because that's like banks of the old days used to use those things. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was so cool. I mean, I'm old enough to remember that. Oh, my God, I just aged myself. Um, but oh, I, it's okay. I remember that Costco had one. So we're in the same boat. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I, I actually don't know. Dharma was so sketchy. Uh, with mm-hmm. their stations? I'm not really sure what, <laughs> what the hell the Pearl was really for. Yeah. I think that, pro- I, like, I think because Dharma's run by, like, a bunch of asses, both of them were stations. Did they ever say if anyone was watching the Pearl? I don't think they ever said that, which is what but makes they also it a little did bit not cons- say that. That's true. <laughs> That's why it's a little confusing, I feel like. But we do know from some small information later that the pearl can see not just the swan. It can see other stations as well. Mm. So, it's, yeah, that, that that's just one of the answers that we just didn't get, I yeah. feel like. Which is fine, but, like, did they send that back to the mainland? Or is it literally just the smoking hatch? Because look at how many cigarettes were there. Right? Exactly, right? It was so gross in there. It was super gross. It was like a bachelor pad. <laughs> no one had ever vacuumed. Yeah. But it's like the amount of canisters there is like kind of crazy because it's like how many notebooks, like each of them are filled with days upon days of notes on notebooks, if not like months of, of notebooks. And and nobody ever went to go pick them up. So it's like if the Pearl was an experiment also, wouldn't they have wanted to analyze what they had written? Like it's just, it's confusing. Maybe they were prisoners. They did just didn't know it. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah, true. I hope huh, all of that plastic was biodegradable. Yeah. That was so wasteful. It, I don't know if it was. I don't think it was. <laughs> um, so Sawyer picks up Locke's map that he sent through. So that is the official confirming that that is where that pneumatic tube went. And some of the things that we get in the notebook that Kate reads out is 0400 SR moves ping pong, ping pong table again. So that's four o'clock. Oh, that's a number. Which is a number. Aha. Um, and SR stands for Stuart Rudzinski, and we'll talk about him more in the flashes. Um, and 0415 takes a shower. So that's 415. Nice. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So they just do these things. They're perbs, man. They watch the showers. Yeah. Ew. This is like non-consensual big brother. <laughs> it was the island's reality show. It's like, do no. they know? Do they know that they're in the shower because they walked into the bathroom and then they came out in a towel? Or do they know because there are cameras in the bathroom? You know what the answer is. I don't want to know. <laughs> So basically, Saeed makes the fire anyway so that they can all, like, regroup and figure out what's going on. But Saeed is so far away, so Michael was taking them the wrong way. Hmm. So then my next question was just, like, about where Michael was told to take them, but we talked about that already. So they get attacked by the others, and we hear some whispers. Huh. Which is interesting because I don't know if the, like, up until now, the Whispers and the others have been linked. Like, they're the same thing. Right. But I don't know if they really are linked is the is the big question about that. But I do have some Whisker, whisper transcripts. Whisper transcripts? Yeah, I said it. <laughs> there are some transcripts on Laspedia where somebody has gone in and checked on everything the Whispers have said. Wow. That's like, that, I, I love Lost fans. And some of them are always so, like chilling especially if you guys go and look at what they say right before shannon dies is like oh it's so scary um but here let me see if i can find some that are of note here they saw a smoke signal and then and then they say elizabeth which of course the only elizabeth we know is libby and i'm not really like i wonder if isn't that the name of the boat yeah that's also the name of the boat that's true that's true i remembered something you're on her right behind you i'll have to listen to the trees to find something (laughs) Um, what? okay, crank it up. 
is what they say after <laughs> Sawyer gets hit with a dart. Someone says, I knew something bad would happen. I assume this is how you would do it. Don't tell anyone he wants it done or don't want anyone to die. So obviously we'll get into it in the spoiler section later, but yes. if the whispers were always intended to be what we found out they are, there's some disconnects here. Totally. Okay. Especially with the fact that they said the name Elizabeth. Oh, I've got I have... conspiracy theories for you. We'll get to that later. Can't wait. Okay, great. Okay, okay, great. Yeah, we'll talk about that more in the spoiler section then. Okay. After Kate is hit with the dart, Jack fires four shots in the dire- general direction it came from. Oh. So there's another four. Uh, and then I just think it's interesting that Jack tries to save Kate. He picks up Kate and starts running away. And I'm like, guess Sawyer and Hurley don't matter. Oh, no. no. <laughs> He's like, I can't lift Sawyer. Yeah. Constant. <clears throat> That's mm-hmm. for sure. The others bring our heroes to appear, forcing them to kneel down, gagged, with bags on their heads. Others in attendance are Alex, Clue, Danny, and Mr. Friendly. Kate tells Friendly that she knows his beard is fake, so he takes it off. The other's boat approaches the pier, and Henry gets out. It's time to get down to business. All right, so here are my beard thoughts. <laughs> beard thought, okay. I think that Friendly's beard looked more real than Michael's beard. Interesting. <laughs> guys, Michael's beard was really bad. Go back and watch it. It's like, oh, you glued that on, guys. I I feel as though this may not be a conspiracy theory, but mm-hmm. I respect your opinion. No, it's definitely not a conspiracy theory, but it is an observation. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, in all my many years of rewatching Lost, I have never questioned Michael's beard. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's the kind of um, product that I bring to this podcast. Right, I, I like it. It's a good, it's a good angle. <laughs> So everyone has bags over their heads, except for Michael, because obviously the others trust Michael at this point. Because, I mean, in what world would Michael be like, just kidding, I'm going to run away and not get my son after all of this. So they know that Michael's going to follow them. I I always laugh at this scene. Why? Because when they're all gagged, they look like dramatic little mice. <laughs> Like, especially Jack, he's always, it's like he's, he has his teeth out, and I'm like, God, I wish I could take it seriously, but you look so silly. <laughs> I love it. Oh, boy. Um, I felt like Tom's beard came off way too easily. Like, how did that stick on in the wind? The spirit gum was not very sticky that day. Yeah. <laughs> Actors, you all know this. Sorry, Missy, I didn't get you. She says she knows your beard's fake, Tom. Thanks for pointing that out, Kate. Can't tell you how much this thing itches. And thanks for telling them my name, B. Uh, so his name is Tom Friendly and her name is B. Clue, Beatrice Clue. So now we have that. Um, they bring in the boat and it is in fact the same boat. Last episode I was like, that that boat looks way too small to have been the same boat from the season one finale, but it is the same boat. Hmm. It was just dark, I think. <laughs> uh, I do like the juxtaposition of season one ending with him taking Walt and season two in the same boat bringing him back. Totally. Um, so they're not wearing any shoes and uh, splinters, question mark? <laughs> Probably. You guys drill down. (laughs) (laughs) So Henry comes up. He has, there's a look between he and Michael. And of course, like Mike, Henry watched Michael like shoot himself in the arm. Oh yeah. Like they kind of have this like weird like connection. Like last time, the last and like only time that they ever saw each other was in that moment. And then it turns out that Henry's kind of like the leader. It's kind of crazy. I was going to say something, but it's for the spoilers. So I'll wait. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay, so, Joe, when you were watching this, what were you feeling about Michael's plotline this season? Um, 
I actually felt bad for Harold. I, I didn't think it was great. I think, you know, yeah. I really enjoyed the character development in his flashbacks. And I thought, well, this is a really a case in point of someone who is landed on an island and has a second chance to be a better father, which is obviously a theme that runs throughout this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of thought he got the short end of the stick. I mean, I'll talk about other stuff in spoilers that I have some, not inside scoop, but some well-known things that have been said about how Harold mm-hmm. feels about it. Yes. Uh, and I'd say that I feel similarly, which is that he got the short shrift. That's what I was mentioning to Robin earlier is like, I kind of asked, like, I couldn't remember where Michael's story went from here. And from what it sounded like, it was like, they just had too big a cast and maybe didn't know what to do with Michael. Which is such a shame because he's so unique. I don't know if they didn't know what to do with Michael. I think that they had goals and they needed somebody to fulfill them. And Michael had motive And I think that it just ended up being Michael is who it was, which is why it's like sad that it had to be Michael. Because I think up until then, Michael's motives and reasonings were pretty sound. Yeah. I think that because obviously uh, they had the Walt issue, which is Malcolm David Kelly grew so quickly. Yeah. Right. That being said, they could have done something with Walt and his abilities and kept Michael on as a character. And again, I understand that they needed this to get to point A to B, but I, I agree mm-hmm. with you that there could have been a better usage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah. I didn't write the show. I love the show. I'm allowed mm-hmm. to criticize it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like one of my things that I've really learned over the last year, especially is like, I can unabashedly love something, point something out, but, like, it won't impact how much I love it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. Henry doesn't love the deal that was made, but Walt's actually a lot, so this kind of works out. (laughs) Michael lived up to his word, and so now he can leave. Walt is inside the boat. Henry says that Michael will never be able to get back here, and he won't tell anyone about what happened because people will find out he's a murderer. Mike gets into the boat, has a reunion, and sails off. Hurley is let go and is meant to go back and tell everyone to stay away. Hurley gets Jack's approval and goes. The hoods are put back on Kate, Jack, and Sawyer. But Mm. did you notice the shared look between Jack and Kate? Yeah, right? Romance. They did a little blinky blink, and Sawyer's like, hey, what about me? Hey, (laughs) give give me a blinky blink. (laughs) Where's my blinky blink? Remind me to get to the spoilers, because I think that something happens later on that makes me think that there was a mistake with the coordinates that Michael gave the boat. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Let me write that down. Okay, good. Thank you, because I won't remember. Okay. It's so hard not to spoil because I was like, oh, no, that's in the future. I know. Yep. But I respect the rules for the newbies. Uh, yes, yeah, of course. A lot of people, like, actually watch the show and listen along with us. I'm like, oh, as much as I want to talk about spoilers <laughs> all the time, I'm like, I have to do it for them. <laughs> I think, I mean, I love doing that just because it's like, when I try and get people to watch the show, they're like, I heard it's confusing. And I'm yeah. like, first of all, it's not confusing if you pay attention. And second of all, if you're confused, listen to our podcast, because I'm going to point out every single thing you need to pay attention to. <laughs> I love it. I still still send people my old ass janky blog. So there you go. Yes. Also, yeah. talk about confusing. I, I podcast about Westworld. Lost is like yeah, watching Lost is Sesame Street. So compared <laughs> to Westworld. Yeah, totally. I was like, compared to today's TV, Lost is literally a walk in the park. It yeah. is. It's linear for the most part. Like, you can figure out what a flashback is. Great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, it broke barriers in terms of storytelling when it was on. Yeah. But every other show has built on that legacy to make things more and more, like, puzzling, mm-hmm. I think and, one could say. And not successfully. Some do, but very few have followed successfully in their footsteps. Totally. Exactly. I fully agree. Um, so Henry says that they don't really want to lose Walt, but he's kind of, like, a lot, and he's a handful, so can you actually please take him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you shouldn't have experimented on him yeah. then. Um, Michael says that he can drive a boat, and I'm like, is it because you, like, kind of drove the raft? Like, <laughs> you can drive a boat? I was like, since when can you drive a boat? You're a construction worker. He's like, he took some lessons from, um, Jin. 
I guess. Don't worry about it. He's yeah. also from New York where boating isn't like the number one sport. Right. But he's also, like, but he, I can drive a taxi. Right. I think that he's just being a dude right there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like, I can figure this out as I go. Yeah. Um, so he gets given the bearing 325, which is kind of like roundabout way of answering why Desmond had such a hard time leaving. It's because you have to follow a specific bearing. And that's probably why he thinks he's living in a bloody snow globe is because it kind of is a bloody <laughs> snow globe, except there's one little bearing that you can kind of sneak out of. That is so unfair. <laughs> and so I looked it up and I was like, is there no significance to this number? Like I did a bunch of math and I was like, 108 times three is 324, but the bearing they gave us was 325. So I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know why that one. They did it just to mess with the numbers nerds. Gotta be. Me specifically. Yes. I was gonna be like, yeah, that Robin is that target audience. Totally. So Henry says, if you want to, you can tell people. Like, that doesn't matter to me, but you're not gonna be able to come back to prove it. Do you know how to drive a boat? Yeah, I can drive a boat. Good. Then you're gonna take this boat and follow a compass bearing of 325. And if you do that exactly, you and your son will find rescue. Well, that's it? I followed the bearing and me and my son get rescued. Yes. How do you know I won't tell people about where I was? Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But it won't matter. Once you leave, you'll never be able to get back here. And my hunch is you won't say a word to anybody. Because if you do, people will find out what you did to get your son back. And Michael's like, well, okay then. <laughs> I'm better off anyway. <laughs> he said that part of his deal was that he they weren't going to hurt his friends. Um, and they're like, yeah, that's fine. We're the good guys. And Michael's like, I don't know if that's true, but I'm out. Care. Bye. Bye, Felicia. Anyone who's holding someone hostage and says I'm the good guy, maybe not the good guy. Yeah, I don't know. My friends wear fake beards. We're good. Yeah, we're good guys. <laughs> it's the fake beard that tips you off every time. <laughs> Stole your son from you. We're the good guys, Michael. <laughs> like, oh, he sucks, but I love him so much. Oh, man. He's just so deliciously evil. And he's the nicest guy in real life, so what a dichotomy. I love it. Oh, and I such a wonderful artist. Yes. Every one of his pieces that I've seen, I'm just like, I had no idea you could do things like this. That's how I feel about you. Aww. Aww. Sweetness. That was nice. What do I owe you for that? Well, I just, like, I never thought that you were capable, you know? Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> this took a turn. So, uh, from Lostpedia, Michael's question, who are you people, calls back to his question in the previous finale, and a similar question appears in each finale. Oh. Oh. Ha-ha! Uh-huh. I like that. So, Walt is in the boat. Um, I really love the moment where he's like, uh... I think I'm missing something, bud. Like, how, how stupid do you think I am? I'm going to leave without my son after all of this? And they're like, okay, calm down. I like that He's Walt, like, kept quiet until that moment, though. Yeah. And doesn't answer when he first calls for him. So, yeah. like, Michael's like, Walt. And Walt's like, sorry, huh? I was playing on my Game Boy. <laughs> he was he was telecommunicating with the birds. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, originally, I saw in the Lost in Location for this episode, Vincent was actually originally supposed to also be on the boat. Okay, rude. Yeah, and so I'm like, first of all, glad they didn't do that, because I love having Vincent on the island. And oh. also, that wouldn't have made sense, because how would they have gotten Vincent? Listen, Vincent's a magic dog. <laughs> 
I'm just glad I'm just glad that they either like cut that part out or something because I'm I I like having Vincent and I want to keep him. But I'm also sad for Walt that he's just like I just left my dog. Left my dog even though that was like such a big motivator for him in season 1. Well, fun fact, Vincent was played by a girl dog named Ooh. Madison. See, I can't out-nerd you. Tennis balls. <laughs> I can't out nerd you says the person who's literally in the lost bonus feature. <laughs> yeah, you Whatever. It was so long ago. Uh so they say, Hurley, you can go. You're just gonna go give the message. Um, okay, so here's my fir- one of my first big questions that we have. Why choose Hurley for the message? Because they could have asked for Jack, Kate, Sawyer, and anybody else, but they chose Hurley. I think that they were... I can't say what I was about to say. Um, I believe that they were... They had... We know about the pronouns, so the pro monitors the swan. Maybe they're monitoring the personalities of people. <laughs> and they could have observed Hurley and decided that he was the one. True, That's yeah. Especially, well. like, I think it's 204 is Everybody Hates Hugo. And he spends a lot of time in the hatch... That they could they could have been watching him at that point. Also, they caught, they caught it might have observed him and looked at him and said he's not a physical threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Like as unfortunate as that is, that that's probably true. Yeah, they probably know about him that he's not he's not going to fight back. Like if they had asked for Saeed, say Saeed would have been like, um, I'm super not going to do that. Plus, wouldn't they have gotten intel from someone like Ethan about the personalities of all of them and mm. know that Hurley was the one that everyone sort of seems to trust the most? And Henry as well. He he spent yeah. a lot of time with them too. So it's like Hurley's so non-threatening and like sort of like a teddy bear for everyone else. Like he is the perfect person to deliver a message because imagine if you sent Sawyer. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, okay. Also, I'd like to take back my statement because they asked for Hurley before Henry had been let go. And so they hadn't talked to Henry. So I, I rescind oh, what I just said. My, I cannot believe you just I'm lied. I'm so sorry. You oh are my fired. God. Yeah, sorry. You are fine. You should, you can go. All right, Brittany, would you like to do all the notes? Never mind. <laughs> uh, cool, yeah. I, I, yeah. What did I say? Um, I don't think Hurley, I don't think Hurley would fight back. I no. think Hur- Hurley's like, okay, chill. I, I feel like Hurley looks at Jack and Jack's like, yeah, it's okay. But if Jack had been like, no, Hurley, please don't leave us. Hurley would have been like, uh-oh, uh, <laughs> what do I don't I do know what now? to do. <laughs> I am not armed. That yeah. would have been a whole different finale. Totally. But I think Jack also knows that Hurley wouldn't know what to do and doesn't want to do that. So mm-hmm. Jack is also like, go ahead, Hurley. Like, of the three people that I have here, I think we can all take care of ourselves and we'll be okay. Yeah, statistically, Hurley is safest away from these people. That's true. True. So... Henry says that they're all going to be going with them, and this is the beginning of one of my favorite seasons. I really love season three, so I'm really excited. Um, Jack says it's okay for him to go. Michael, this is the point in which Michael sails away, right? Mm -hmm. He is sailing away, and we get a shot of him looking back at them, guns pointed at them, gags in their mouths, them on their knees, and he still... Just drives away. I couldn't have done it. No. And also, Walt's probably like, what the actual F? Like, he doesn't yeah. know. And all of a sudden, he's like, sweet, got my dad back on a boat, left my dog, saw some old friends being gagged, sweet, bye. Exactly. Oh like, I don't know how either of them, and I think that is part of the disservice to Michael's character, mm-hmm. is the lack of remorse for some of that. Yeah. But maybe that's just me. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, he has this whole thing about his son, obviously. That's, like, his whole thing. But it's, like, the stuff about your son doesn't erase the compassion you would have for other people. Mm-hmm. I don't think. So, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to parse through. Also, um, good luck on your little cruise back to the mainland, wherever that is, telling him what you did to get him. Right. Exactly. Did, did, I can't know. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but does Walt ever find out what Michael did? I can tell you in the spoiler section. Yeah, okay. I don't. Yeah, I don't think we could talk Thank about you. it. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> 
so then they get the bags over their heads and and that's that for that storyline. I think other than that, we kind of have like a moment when all of the stuff happens in the hatch and we see them all out there holding their heads while the oh right the key yeah, gets the light, turned. Yeah. But um, that's mostly just to show that it's all over the island, not just over by the hatch, I think. Yeah. Cool. Um, that's the, that is the, is the B storyline. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of weird that you have like your big major players in a yeah. secondary storyline yeah. like this. Well, I mean, it was like a bigger storyline last episode, I guess, but yeah, it's like crazy in the finales when the B plot is like the, should be the A plot. It's crazy. And that the A plot revolves around a character that like you haven't seen the whole season. Yeah. Except I will say just because I, I was, did you, either of you watch it live back when it was on in the day? I started as soon as it finished. I only watched the final season live. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will say that. I think it was 2005, 2006. But um, yeah. the big, this is again pre-big social media, the big thing on the message boards, the big thing that people were talking about everywhere was the hatch, the hatch, the hatch. So that yeah. actually makes sense to me in retrospect because we got to know Henry Gale that season and he, he was certainly interesting. We didn't know the extent of the others, but they were, everyone was so angry at the end of season one like or season two rather with like um i'm sorry yeah end of season one discovering the hatch ah they didn't open it and now they're like right. they had to sort of get to the end of that before introducing what's gonna happen in season three so i remember thinking i was actually really psyched about the hatch stuff god can you imagine if that if it aired now i don't People, think this show everything would last would be one season this show would not uh no. nope. not even just because of the budget and the scale because people have no patience for storytelling Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. Watching Picard this season was watching other people complain the entire season that a show was well laid out. I was like, oh my god! Yeah. Just watch it week to week! Yeah. What I admire about Lost is that, you know, 2004 was only a few years after 2001, 9-11, and you yeah. had mm-hmm. Saeed, you had Jin and Son, you had subtitles, you had an amazing diverse cast before you were supposed to have an amazing diverse cast, before everyone yes. thought, uh, duh, we should have this. And I, mm-hmm. I, I give them props for the Jin and Son and Saeed storylines because they were the most unusual things we had seen on television in a long time. Mm-hmm. 100% I think Lost pioneered so much about television and diversity. 100% was one of them. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And it was just so natural for the show. Like, they never asked for pats on the back. No. No, no. Damon and Carlton and the writers are not those people. And, and no. they, they are terrific human beings. I think I think that this remains their pride and joy, or at least the thing they're the most proud of thus far in their careers. And I think that's why their careers have gone from strength to strength. Yeah. Is because they are very good at telling really good stories that don't ask for anything more than they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they used to be able to do that. I mean, they set the tone. Exactly. Totally. And going back to the finale, I, I also noticed that at the end of this episode, once we go into hiatus, you don't know the fate of Echo, you don't know the fate of Locke, and you don't know the fate of Desmond. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, that whole hiatus, you're like, I don't know. Right, for sure we, like, I remember assuming that at least one of them would die. I'm like, there's stakes, right? One of them right. has to die. So, it, you know, there was a lot of like, eight months between seasons, you guys. We didn't have Twitter, so. Eight, eight months? I eight? believe it was eight months. Because they were making, oh my God. back in the day, they were making, I think, 20 to 22 episodes per season. You know, so filming basically year-round on Hawaii and right. editing it in Los Angeles. So it was a whole process. I, rem- I remember, like, being on the sort of edges of that entire phenomenon because I was over in like the BSG camp but we would kind of all suffer together during the hiatuses and all we would have is like blogs yeah and also I remember back in the day they they actually filmed their show on film it wasn't digital they couldn't email it yeah they had to ship send, it said to <gasps> ship film yeah. rolls with people back and forth to Los Angeles I think there's a bonus feature on one of the DVDs about that of like the the um like journey of 
like that of one piece of film all the way through an episode. It's really cool. That's crazy. Yeah, and I, I and the spoiler section, I can tell you about a future season's reel that got destroyed in a scene they had to refilm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Okay. Cool. So let's move on to the hatch storyline. Yeah. Alright. As you'll recall, Charlie just promised to help Echo open the hatch. Mm-hmm. They rushed through the jungle to find the dynamite that they got from the Black Rock last finale. So, Charlie says that Hurley's the one who showed him where the dynamite was. Why? <laughs> Why would you tell him that? That is an excellent point. I'm not sure Hurley keeps the best secrets, though. That's definitely true. Hurley's a leaky faucet. Yeah. But he's the sweetest leaky faucet. Exactly. And, and then Charlie's like, oh, you wouldn't want to end up like Dr. Arst. And I'm like, so Hurley told you about Arst too, huh? <laughs> I think Hurley was traumatized and needed a friend. Yeah, that's for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, poor Hurley. <laughs> My only other note on this small little scene right here is that I thought it was interesting that they're using the same, like, batch of dynamite that was used to open the hatch last finale. Yeah. <gasps> and now they're also trying to open the hatch, but, like, inside of it. Nice call. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. These writers are just so attentive. Mm-hmm. It's like know? they had a whiteboard that had a continuity thing on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but, okay. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. That is amazing because at the same time, freaking Glee was airing. Yeah. <laughs> sitting like going from the pilot where one of them was rich to being like oh well I have a struggling single father and I'm like do you not watch your own show (laughs) so like just to see the continuity is just so nice apples and oranges man yeah they arrive back at the hatch with the dynamite and Echo starts setting it up Charlie's concerned he doesn't want Locker or Desmond to get hurt and they definitely don't want to ruin the computer Echo continues. Charlie tries to warn Des and Locke through the door, but Desmond knows that the door will hold and it won't matter. So I love this for Charlie. Obviously, we've had a really rough season with Charlie. Oh, poor Charlie. Um, But I like this ending for him, in this season at least, because Charlie is the only person in the hatch that we know that he made it out. Mm -hmm. But he specifically says he doesn't want to hurt anybody. And do you guys think he regrets helping Echo? I think he just was, this was unexpected, this turn. And he is Mm -hmm. a man of faith. And I don't know that he saw that he was a man of violence before. Right. So I I don't really know. But I think the scene that makes me laugh every time I watch it is when Echo pushes him up against the wall and reaches down to take his belt off. What do you think is going through Charlie's mind? Like, what's about to happen? (laughs) I literally was thinking that. I was like, what the heck start of a, what is this? I was like, oh, okay. Oh, it's for the metal. Okay. You're like, oh, I didn't know this was that kind of show. Okay. Well, I was I was wondering if there'd be anyone gay. It just took for a while, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And Charlie, well, I mean, like, I've got my own head cannons. Well, oh, I mean, that's how we all live as fans. Who yeah. doesn't? <laughs> but, I mean, Charlie's probably like, listen, I just asked you a question, and I didn't really see these signs from you, to be honest. <laughs> I'm really confused. But basically, they're saying if they don't, if they blow up the computer, there was no point to this at all. So, like, I don't know. Echo's so focused on one thing that he is willing to jeopardize his own safety. And I think there's a parallel in that with Locke, who believes one thing and needs one thing so bad that he doesn't care about anything else. Yes. Echo. Hey. Echo. Listen. What if we hurt them? Or bought the computer. You can leave now, Charlie. John? It's Charlie. Let's work this thing out, John. John! Echo is very upset, John. Let's just open this door and we can talk about it. John! You should know, Echo is going to blow open the blast door. Blow it open with what? 
With dynamite from the old ship in the jungle. We take an atom bomb, brother. Tell him not to bother. You're sure it'll hold? Aye. I'm sure. So Echo says, Charlie, you can go. <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> you like, want to. Can I have my belt back? <laughs> was just only using Charlie. Locke is worried about it, but Desmond knows that the doors will hold. So, great. <laughs> so this is like unequivocally Charlie's absolute worst season. Totally. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I just, there isn't really, it's kind of like Michael this way. There isn't really much of a plot, like co- coherent, continuous arc for either character here. It's not a spoiler to say that I think season three is obviously Charlie's best season. I totally 100%. agree. 100%. Yeah. It made up for it. For sure. 100, 150%. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, 108%. Oh, oh. Thank you. Oh, that's better. That's better. Um, okay. So Charlie starts panicking. He asks Echo if John might be right. How is he so sure? Echo pins Charlie up against the wall and pulls <laughs> off his belt. No, this is not where it, going where you think it is. Echo throws Charlie's belt and flies to the wall where it sticks magnetized. Charlie starts to leave. Echo gives Locke one more chance to open the door, but Locke doesn't take it. Echo lights the fuse, and just as Charlie realizes where the explosion is going to go, the dynamite explodes. I mean, where can it go in such an enclosed space? Literally, he's like, wait, neither of us thought this through. (laughs) Yeah, Echo's like around the corner from it. We're like, okay. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's helpful. I genuinely, I asked Robin when that was airing, like, did he live? Because I could not remember. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he throws Charlie's belt, the magnetism. At this point, the audience doesn't know what to believe. You know? Same. Yeah. Like, who, who do I believe? And then I think, you know, at this point, as soon as Echo, like, does that and throws the belt and it goes against the wall, I think that's the moment where the audience is finally like, uh-oh. Maybe the hatch is magic. Maybe the hatch is actually real. Because who, who do I believe before now? Like, that was the whole point is that it was like there were two sides. One is light and one is dark. Yes. <laughs> there, are, there are two sides and like which one you believe is like based on the person. Well, we did see Locke in the lockdown though. Yeah, that's so true. That would, that for me was the confirmation that there was something funky going on with that hat. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it because they, they, they built up the tension so much. It was such a mm-hmm. crazy finale. And I think that it, they purposely made it unclear who was right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I love most about this show is like everyone can have a point but that doesn't mean that you're morally or just mm-hmm. like correct for a dollar. Finish a sentence, Brittany. <laughs> I'm fine. Anyway, basically it's like, you're still not sure until like Desmond says like how, real, how real. he is. Sure. Yeah. And like, I'm going to ask this question later, but we can talk about it now if we want to, um, is like, how could Desmond witness what he witnessed in the flashbacks with, the system failure and the hieroglyphics and everything crashing and and everything and then believe Locke when he says it's not real. Oh, I was like how after after that how could you how could you believe that, you know? Right. Maybe you made a point there. <laughs> okay, maybe so. Maybe it's because that was a really traumatic day for him mm-hmm. and it's kind of like what was real and what wasn't and he still doesn't know what the consequences would be. Mm-hmm at that point yeah i think the thing that that changes desmond's mind is hearing about the pearl that the pearl was like watching him but i still and maybe that was like clouding his judgment but like in my opinion i don't know how that changes um all your forks flying to the wall you know but you know at that point he could think oh this is all for show right oh interesting yeah like who's setting me up it's a theater like a theatrical thing you know interesting sure so echo tells Locke that if he opens the door echo will forgive him and Locke says, forgive me for what? Yeah. <laughs> it's so beautifully Locke. It's like, I can't decide 
whose side I'm on here. Because it's like, Echo will forgive you. And maybe he thinks, I'm a priest. I'll forgive you if you let me, if you let me go come in. But Locke isn't the same kind of man of faith that Echo is. And so Locke doesn't care. Yeah. And it's also like, not really about you, Echo. Yeah, that was the thing I found interesting is he offers him forgiveness. And I'm like, why would he need it from you? Mm-hmm. He he doesn't need it from you. He needs it from a higher being. Yeah. But it's also like, I think Locke's being a huge jerk, like all, all finale. So I don't know. John Locke answers to John Locke. That's exactly. for sure. So Charlie believes Echo now. Um, he just knows that all of this is a really bad idea. So then he like runs away and... Somehow everybody makes it out of this giant explosion. <laughs> Science. It's almost yeah. like it was, they were all designed to make it out of there. I don't know. Yeah, I just like, mm. they're like right beside it. And I'm like, even if you don't get like hit by the blast, like the heat should really mess you up. Science. Mm. Science. I mean, the island. It's a magic island. It's magic. Totally. Desmond listens on the other side of the door. He was right. The explosion didn't touch them at all. He wants to open the door because Echo and Charlie might be hurt, but Locke thinks it could be a trick. He talks about how he believed this was his destiny and how Boone died because he believed it so hard. That night, he was pounding his fists against the door and a light turned on. Even that probably meant nothing at all. I think it's really cool that they did the explosion so early in the episode. Yeah. Because they set it up at the end of this one. And I do believe that these two pieces of the finale aired on the same day. So we didn't have to wait that long. Oh, I just like remembered it happening later. So it was cool that it happened so early. So Locke says not to open it because Locke cares more about this than the safety of Echo and Charlie. Oh boy. In in what world could this have been a trick? How do you set that up? I don't know. there's, There's a giant explosion. And Echo's like, psych, I faked the explosion. How do you make an explosion? <laughs> like, what? It's a magic island. You don't know. But basically, Locke knows that he's not going to get another opportunity to do this if this doesn't work. So he's like, I don't care. That's the thing that fascinates me most about Locke is just the single-mindedness. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, screw everyone else. I have to solve the puzzle in front of me in order to, like, feel worthy of something. And right. I'm like, no, dude, the point is human connection. The point wasn't the puzzle. Yeah. But human connection was never number one on his agenda. Exactly. I mean, especially given his life that we've seen. Yeah, that's a good point. John Locke is the most tragic character on this show. There's a lot of tragedy in this show, but he's the... I would agree with that. Without a doubt. Yeah. So Desmond talks about how Locke needs to find out what he really believes. And he says that he used to believe, but Boone died because he believed so much in Locke. And this kind of reminds me of Kelvin... Because he says that people died because they listened to his orders, and that's kind of what happened with Boone. True. Can I ask you a question, brother? Absolutely. Is the reason you're letting that clock there run all the way down to the very last take? Is it because you need to look down the barrel of a gun and find out what you really believe, John? I looked down the barrel of the gun, and I believed. I thought it was my destiny to get into this place. And, and somebody died, a kid, because he was stupid enough to believe that I knew what I was talking about. And on the night that he died for nothing, I was sitting right up there, all alone, Beating my hand bloody against that stupid door. Screaming to the heavens, asking what I should do. And then a light 
went on. I thought it was a sign. But it wasn't a sign. Probably just you going to the bathroom. So then we have the moment where the hatch lights up at the end of Deus Ex Machina and like what an iconic moment. It's so great that they brought it back because I feel like that's a question that we could have is like when, like what was happening there when, exactly. when that happened. I mean, it's and interesting because it did save Desmond's life. Totally. Yeah. Like Locke says it doesn't mean, it didn't mean anything. And Desmond knows that it meant something, but he doesn't say anything. Yeah. I wonder why he doesn't say anything. I, I, I mean, I guess he just doesn't think it's the time. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But that's the thing is that, like, I think later in the episode, Desmond says, I'm sorry about whatever made it so that you didn't believe, but it's real. And so it's like, if Desmond had said, no, that moment meant a lot to me as well, it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean nothing. Then maybe that would have given Locke some more faith in the hatch. Like, I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, Locke is known for their infuriating lack of conversation (laughs) you know with sharing information at times communication problems yes but also i mean desmond did not know him that well that's true that's true he didn't want to be like no john you saved my life (laughs) desmond was understandably sketchy and about trusting people right i do not blame him Mm -hmm. and then he took Locke's belt off All right, uh, Des asks Locke about the pearl he tells him we already know this but it doesn't feel like exposition when he says it which i love Desmond thinks that maybe the pearl is what the experiment w- is what was the experiment rather than the swan. Locke is so set in his way that he doesn't he isn't even interested in alternatives. Locke tells him about the printed numbers and Des starts reading. So I have said this a couple times, especially in uh, question mark. Echo turns to Locke and gives him like his whole life story, and we've already seen it all. Mm-hmm. But Adewale says it in such an incredible way that you're like, uh huh. No, this is brand new information. Because, like, exposition never feels like exposition on this show because the actors are at such a big caliber. Yes, absolutely. Honestly, Locke doesn't embellish the story of the Pearl as much as he could to keep Desmond on his side. (laughs) Are you criticizing his technique? No, no. I, I I think it's interesting that Locke is like, this is what it is. And instead of being like, well, this happened. And the reason why I think that this is true is because of this, this, and this just to keep Desmond on his side. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't, he just tells him what it is, which I think is kind of interesting. They both (laughs) obviously withhold information from each other. They have trust issues. Mm -hmm. Doesn't everyone on that island? Uh, With good reason. Jeez. They're like, we have, uh, we got all the issues on this island. Trust. Daddy. (laughs) Hygiene. Just daddy. You know what? There are a lot of mommy issues. This just doesn't get the same press. Good point. So they talk about what if the experiment was on the people in the Pearl instead. And Locke literally doesn't even care. He's like, I'm not even interested in hearing the reasoning behind that. Because he's so set in this way. (laughs) It's like, sir, there's other people in the world with other ideas. Yeah. (laughs) What do you guys think makes Desmond think that maybe the experiment was on the people in the Pearl? Because he hasn't seen the papers yet. He hasn't seen the numbers yet. I think maybe it could have been because... He was... Oh, okay, I've got it. Okay, okay. Maybe because of what happened, like, the day of the crash, he's like, this can't have been the... Like, this can't be the experiment because I have reasons to believe that it's real. And so he's like, maybe the experiment was on the people in the Pearl. And he's right. And it's like, but I'm not sure exactly how he knows that. Because, like, has... I mean, we haven't seen all of Desmond's three years that he was on the island. So he could have more information that we're just not seeing. I don't know. 
This is a dude who has a brand new washing machine and fresh eggs. There's literally yeah. a freaking drop, a pallet of fresh stuff from someone. So maybe he puts two and two together and figures there's some bigger entity out there off island that's controlling not just his hatch, but others. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So oh, he starts to read the numbers. I would kill for a drop of toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> just a full pallet of toilet paper. There I'm are good. There are five women living in our apartment. Oh, God. We need the toilet paper. And no, literally, no one has any! Stop hoarding toilet paper! Does Vancouver have a shortage? Not a shortage so much as everyone keeps hoarding it. So, like, you go to the store in the morning and it's already gone. Mm-hmm. Hopefully a month from now when this airs, people will be like, Oh my god, remember when we did not toilet paper? I'm, like, so <laughs> excited to forget about this time. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Desmond reads the papers. He asks Locke when they crashed. Se- September 22nd, 2004. He checks the numbers. System failure written all over the paper, timestamped that day. Desmond is the reason the plane crashed. Wow, what a reveal! <laughs> I remember so freaking out going, oh my god. I- wow! I did not see that coming. Oh, it's so good. It's it's such a perfect twist. And it Iconic. ties both seasons completely together. Perfect. Yeah, totally. So good. Also, it says that it crashed at 4.16pm. Oh my god. <laughs> Apparently, in whatever time zone the island is in, who knows? <laughs> Magic time zone. I also love that they aired the pilot on September 22nd. Yes, Ooh. yeah. On Lostpedia, it was saying this is the first episode in which is confirmed on screen that September 22nd, 2004 is the date that it, that it crashed. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the electromagnetism was that powerful. Yeah. It took down a plane. Right Ooh. place, right time. Or not. Um. Right. Or maybe, maybe it's not a coincidence. Who's to say? Fate. So we have a voicemail mm-hmm. from one of our listeners who mm-hmm. you have heard on our podcast many times. His name's Scott. And he sent us a voicemail about season two, um, specifically about this moment and uh, how much he actually loves season two. Season two is not on a lot of people's radars for like best season. Yeah. It's definitely lower down for me personally, just not because it was bad, just because there are so many other seasons that, in my opinion, are better. Are better. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Scott's favorite season is season two. And so he made a little voicemail for us about why he loves season two so much, including a bunch of things that happened in this finale. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Robin. This is Scott. You guys from the abandoned lockdown arena out here in Chillac, BC. Uh, just finished two along with you guys and thought I would message you guys with my thoughts. This uh, ends my favorite season of Lost, season two. Um, I know a lot of people would like to disagree with me, um, but I think they're incredibly wrong. Um, first thing is when we see Hurley discover that Michael's the one that kills Libby. That's that's one of my favorite scenes of that episode, just seeing the face on Hurley turn when he realizes that his friend's actually the one that killed his girlfriend. You would have hoped that we might have seen some rage out of Hurley come out of that, but we kind of know that Hurley's not like that and he wouldn't have done it. But you, you would have hoped that he would have done something like that. Michael, on his little journey, how did he not think that they were going to figure it out um, after he was being so stubborn over who had to come and who couldn't? But you know that he's figured out that someone's on to him the second that gun's not loaded. Um, there's no way that that's an accident or that he just miraculously forgot to put bullets in his gun. That's He knows he's screwed from then on out. So the way that he keeps it together for the rest of it is actually pretty good. Finding out that Desmond's the one that crashed the plane, that is awesome. That's such a swerve. I never actually would have thought that that is what brought that plane down. You would have thought it would have been something supernatural or something. But that big damn magnet in that damn hatch. 
and just watching Desmond go through all those papers over and over and over again. Like, I'm sitting there watching it going, well, what is he trying to find? What does he think he's going to find? There's 30-odd years of just the numbers entered and accepted, entered and accepted, entered and accepted. And then, miraculously, boom, there it is. Um, but I love that reveal. That's an incredibly underrated reveal on that show that we discovered that that's actually what brought down the plane. There was a reason to it, or not a reason, but there was an actual happening that brought down that plane. The way they ended that season with... Finding out that Benny, that Penny, sorry, is actually looking for Desmond and what she's doing, trying to find him um, using some magnet magnet pole up in the North Pole, trying to find them is awesome. Like we learn on, or we learn later in the whole series how the member of her family would know about that, but I don't remember, and I could be wrong, ever finding out how he knows about that. Still a really good reveal so that we learn that she hasn't given up on Desmond. She's still looking for him. It's been all these years, but she's still out there trying to find him, but she knows how to find him. So that's a really good um, opening they've left us there. Love the season. Could go back to the hatch over and over and over again, but at least leads into season three, which has the best um, premiere episode, um, and I think, um, of the whole series. So also wanted to message you guys because I know everything in the world is so screwed up right now. Um, and just wanted to say, hopefully you guys are staying safe, um, and we're thinking about you guys, and I can't wait to listen to season three, because God knows we can all use the entertainment, nothing but time on our hands right now, to watch Lost and listen to you guys. So stay safe, we're thinking about you, and have a great one, guys. Scott had a really exciting time the other day, because, first of all, his job is to drive a Zamboni. Yeah. Oh, um, Zamboni guy! Yeah. Oh, I know Scott. Yeah. yeah. He was on his Zamboni, minding his business, and he looks over, and Evangeline Lilly is just right there. Yeah. <laughs> so he got a picture with Evangeline Lilly because she was in his town. So he like, was like, I, what were the odds of that? That's crazy. And, and for a timestamp perspective, this was pre-quarantine Evangeline Lilly. Yeah. It yeah. sure was. Uh-huh. So we're talking two months ago, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you to Scott for sending us in a voicemail. We also have some thoughts, not necessarily in voicemail form, but from one of our other listeners sent us a DM about some stuff later. So if you guys want to get a hold of us to talk about any of our podcasts, we are um, aficionadospodcast at gmail.com and you can DM us on Twitter. Our DMs are open on all of our social media. So if you guys have thoughts, let us know. Charlie regains consciousness in the hatch. His hearing is messed up. He finds Echo and tries to revive him. In the room, Desmond yells at Locke that they have- <coughs> Wait, hang the- on. Desmond yells at Locke. That's just the whole episode. Okay. We're, we're done here. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> In the room, Desmond yells at Locke that they have to push the button. He explains the day of the crash. The amount of evidence, Locke, you have to believe him, but he doesn't. He grabs the computer and smashes it on the ground. You've killed us all. Desmond opens the door and searches for the failsafe key. Oh my gosh, after the reveal, and then you're just like, oh, so it's like, all surely true. you have to believe him surely now. Locke, the, the amount of evidence, he has so much, just, to, but Locke, he's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how to explain Locke in this scene, and in this finale. It's just like, he's not willing to listen to anybody's, anybody's thoughts. I mean, his lock is broken. Yeah. <laughs> like, for him, this is make or break. Either mm-hmm. he proves himself right, or... All of this was for nothing, up to and including Boondine. Right. He has to do this, or, like, what else is there to live for? Right. 
He's been trying to prove things his entire life. Exactly. That's for for sure. And now he finally feels he has a purpose. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, that smashed up old Mac computer is in Damon Lindelof's office. That is so cool. Really? Yep. Damon is so cool. (laughs) Remind me, I'll send you the photo of me. I was like, could we pose next to the computer? Okay, great. Oh my gosh. Yes, I would love to see it. That is so cool. It's really cool. So Charlie wakes up and he can't hear, which is kind of a staple of explosions. Good call. It, It it sure is. Yeah. It sure is. You know, explosions happen. You, you can't hear after. And that sure, happens sure. in a lot of different like have, types have of media. Have you been near an excl- explosion? No. Have you ever been near an explosion? No. Oh. Joe, have you ever been near an explosion? No, thank gosh. But I will say when Dr. Arse blew up, there was, because they weren't inside, it seems like no one lost their hearing. Yeah, true. Got a little arsed on you. I noticed today that Charlie, because he can't hear, his voice is like echoey. And um, his first word is echo. (laughs) (laughs) Clever. That's cute. I like that. So there are four minutes left on the countdown, Hmm. which is when it starts beeping. And in the last four minutes, Locke has managed to lose his only ally in this. (laughs) He literally only had the one job. Yeah. And so Desmond's like, I'm sure about this because this is what happened. And Locke is like, no. And I'm like, Locke, you weren't there. Like, you don't know that, bro. You don't know any of this. You can't. Oh. We need to push the button. No, we don't. Did you not hear me, brother? I crashed your bloody plane. How did you manage to do that? On that day, those numbers turned to hieroglyphics. And when the last one came down, this whole place started to shake. And that screen, that screen filled up with system failure. System failure. And that number there, 92204, September the 22nd, 2004. The day your plane cracked is real. It's all bloody real. Now push the damn button. I know what I saw. It's a lie. It's not real. None of it is real. Like, (laughs) the stakes are so high. You can't, you're putting yourself in danger. You're putting everybody in danger, bro. When I say that back in the day, we were all standing up and yelling at the television at Locke, I'm telling you. That I would be doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So he full on just breaks the computer and Desmond's like, cool, we're all dead. Do you know how expensive Macs are? (laughs) They, they broke, they broke the computer at the beginning of this season, but Saeed was willing, was able to fix it. But first of all, Saeed's not around. Second of all, he broke it way more than he did last time. He Hulk smashed it. He Hulk smashed it. It's just not going to happen this time. And also in four minutes. No, yeah. No, no, they're screwed. Um, and so Desmond says that they've killed that he's killed everybody, and he says, No, I've been I've saved us. <laughs> Girl from what? <laughs> like, if this isn't real, everything is normal. Like that's what if, this is Robin's sheer anger. You saved us from pressing a button every day? Like big whoop. John Locke, party of one, you're crazy is ready. <laughs> like, <laughs> like saved us from what? From um being a slave to the button, <laughs> your outrage is Whatever. very entertaining. All these years later, like, <laughs> it's really funny. You should see it because she's also gesturing. <laughs> she, when she goes pressing a button, she's doing finger quotes. <laughs> pressing a button, like that's my thing. Is like the whole reason why nobody's turning the face fail safe key is because it's either die or keep pressing a button. Okay, my theory is that that's the true psychological experiment. Okay. Right? Yeah. But either way, die or press a button. And Locke is like, I'd rather die. And I'm like, I can't relate. But that says everything about who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Except he doesn't think that he's going to die also. But it's like- they had to present Locke as this? the extreme opposite of his. He was such a strong man of belief, right? In in season mm-hmm. one, and I think this parallels yeah. another character in future seasons who is presented one way and has to prove himself to be another. Yeah, 
I agree. So Desmond goes and runs to read our mutual, well, he doesn't run to read it. He runs to go get the, the key, but I'm like, you no, can't read it. read it. I was like, you can't read a book in four minutes. Well, not with that attitude. That's true. Speed reader. He's had a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, Desmond finds the failsafe key inside of our mutual friend. He rushes under the floor. Des tells Locke that Locke saved him so he could do the same now. Locke still believes that everything will be fine. Bro, seriously? <laughs> Des tells Locke to run away. He'll see him in another life, brother. System failure starts happening. Everything is scary. Charlie finally gets Echo up and they start to try to get away. Echo pushes Charlie away and goes to Locke. Locke admits he was wrong. Now is not the best time. <laughs> Desmond puts the key in and turns it. A white light happens. Okay, first so, like, of all, the climax how cool of the episode. would it be to have like a replica of this key? I have a necklace. Yeah, they sell. What? They've certainly sold on Etsy and eBay. I've never had an actual prop copy in an auction, but there yeah. have been other people who've had them crafted. Now with three D printers, people have them. I have a three D printer. Yeah, I have a failsafe key necklace, but I think it's home in Alberta. Okay, well that's cute. Um, but it's definitely not a replica. It's just a I know, the at least shape. I have two friends who have them tattooed on them, like the sale safe key. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. It no, is. I like that, though, because it represents something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I also, like-, like, these are people who've changed their life, and this is a key, like, you know, with the turn of a key, so... Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I also have a lost tattoo. I think, Joe, you, you have a Cancer Gets Lost tattoo, which I think counts. Yes, yes. absolutely. It's got the Dharma logo, so it counts. Where's yeah, your? What is yours of? It's it's the numbers. Nice. Where? Uh, on my what is this? A calf? That's a calf, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> the back of my calf. Nice. <laughs> I I got it. I got it in Hawaii a few years ago, and I was like, "This is the place." Absolutely. Yeah. Wait, and then didn't we figure out that I went to the same tattoo place a couple years later? Yeah. Oh, cool. Which is very weird because that was before we knew each other. The amount of people who've probably gone to Hawaii and got lost tattoos is probably exponential. It wasn't yes. before we knew each other. Yeah. Though. No, don't worry about it. Okay. Shh. I'm not I was like, right. that was right before the first you Unity know, days, sh- though. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> so he kept the key inside our mutual friend because that in the flashbacks we see that that he had it while he was looking through it. Locke saved Desmond so that he could save Locke. So this is Locke. Or this is Desmond's way of telling Locke that he saved him. Like, he doesn't say, you saved me because you knocked on the door and then I turned on the light. Like, Locke is like, how did I say, okay. <laughs> Can you imagine being Locke just being like, bro, what? Yeah, huh? <laughs> I'm being metaphorical. We gotta die now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time to explain this. So Locke is still so sure that they'll be okay. And Desmond says something made him stop believing, which we saw in question mark he says i'll see you in another life brother which is like his iconic thing we have charlie and echo and then everything goes to crap and i like this for charlie because it kind of reminds me when when things are like going towards him it reminds me of the pilot when that when the um cart like rushes against like rushing in the airplane yeah it, it kind of reminds me of that moment and Locke says i was wrong to echo's face Oh, that was huge. That was, yeah. It's like a massive moment, but it's like, bro, worst timing ever. <laughs> but do you think that that was Locke absolving himself and actually saying, like, sorry? I I don't know. Because, I mean, Echo did say, if you open it, I'll forgive you. Well, if you open it now, I'll forgive yeah. you. But now I'm not forgiving you. Well, my thought was John Locke at that moment thought, I'm going to die. I'm going to admit that I was wrong. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think it was about Echo. Because um, it's always about John. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Echo was just kind of just happened to be staying, standing yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, Locke, you beautiful, complicated and, idiot. And he's so scared in the moment. And I'm like, bro, I know, but. <sighs> and I'm like, I feel bad for him, but also this was all your fault, dude. <laughs> but at 
is he accepted the consequences of his actions? I guess. That's the bare minimum. I mean, sort of. Yeah, he like, I guess I'll stand here and get blown up. Listen, or like, whatever. I'm trying to find a silver lining. Yeah. It, I took a shot. Mm-hmm. It didn't land. <laughs> but like, I just like, I could watch Terry O'Quinn say I was wrong to every character on this show and it would be different in every single he's moment. incredible. Oh, he's so good. Unreal. Has he done anything lately? He's that guy in everything. Yes. Yeah, but he does, he does arcs on, like, a couple of episode arcs on many shows. And yeah. I believe he's on an Amazon show right now, which the name is blanking me. Hell yeah, get that. Oh, Amazon. The Patriot, The Patriot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Desmond goes to turn the key, and he says, I love you, Penny. And can you guys imagine, if this had been the end of Desmond, I have a question, and maybe you know this, Joe. Was Henry Ian Cusick slated to finish here, and then they decided to keep him? I don't know the answer, but I believe they had already had a plan for three, for season three. So, Oh, okay, cool. I don't think this was supposed to be the end. Okay, good. I think, because they had planned to just have him at the very beginning there, and then either not see him again, or just, like, bring him back a little bit. But since everybody loved him so much, that's why they kept him, right? It's like Michael Emerson. They they just popped yes. on screen, and they had such resonance with the fans. And obviously, uh, you know, when they watched it in post, they knew they had something magical with both of these actors. Yeah, totally. Which is amazing, because... It's really a testament to an actor that you can change the entire course of a TV show on your performance alone. Yeah. 100%. Oh, for sure. Um, okay. Everything is white. The beach, the pier, the boat, everything lights up. Everyone covers their ears. The quarantine door lands on the beach. Which I was laughing about. Oh, that's about right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? I hate how relevant the flashbacks are. I had to laugh at a flying quarantine door hitting the sand. Yeah. Right? You're like, mm, ah, the symbolism. Actually, it's a little too on the nose. Yeah, exactly. I felt bad for the people on the dock because their, like, hands were tied behind their back so they couldn't cover their ears. <laughs> oh, no! They were just like, ah! <laughs> and poor Aaron, he's just a baby! <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a baby! That line that Des says where he's like, I've been inside for two years, I was just like, mm. Mm. yeah same (laughs) so the quarantine door lands and that is kind of our signifier as that it's been like an explosion or some like big force of energy has pushed that because the hatch is like actually quite a bit away from the beach Mm -hmm. it also establishes a linear timeline that what's happening there is happening on the dock is happening on the beach is happening at the hatch yeah Ooh, that's a good point the show doesn't do that quite a lot yeah yeah because, I mean, they have so many flashbacks that are specifically not, not yeah, happening like, at the mm, same time. We're going to jump around a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie makes his way to the beach and Bernard asks him if he's okay. He doesn't know where Locke or Echo are. Claire smiles at him and he smiles back. Smiles back. So everybody's cleaning up the mess on the beach because I guess it was like an earthquake type thing was kind of going on there. Charlie, I guess, was like far enough like close to the door that he was able to just like get out Mm -hmm. he doesn't know where Locke and Echo are because they were like right in the thick of it so at the end of the episode we don't know if they're alive or if they're dead and then we have this Charlie and Claire moment which is like kind of weird for right now (laughs) they're all quick quick give us some hope okay let's let's have the shippers have their moment exactly yeah Yeah. like I thought it was totally like a good moment for the next scene which is the one where they're by the campfire and you know it's finally resolved all the garbage that they went through through season two yeah but I was like (laughs) Bernard is like are Locke and Echo dead and Charlie's like I don't know smiles at Claire awkwardly (laughs) (laughs) I was like we're talking about people being blown up but okay I mean I feel like this is a fairly accurate representation of how he would react yeah totally yeah she's like smiles at him and he's like Okay, this is more important. A pretty girl? Yeah. (laughs) 
That night, Claire and Charlie sit by the fire. She asks about what happened, but he skirts around the question. They share their first kiss of the series! I can't believe this was the first. It took forever! <laughs> this is literally a gift, because the rest of the episode's like, boom, 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 you're screwed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it's that night. It feels like they were kind of sitting there for a while before she asked. Mm-hmm. So, I guess they were kind of just, like, sitting in silence for a while. He was almost killed by fire and also by a fork. <laughs> and he doesn't want to tell her what happened, I guess, just because... Like, why, why do you think he doesn't want to tell her? He's always <laughs> protecting her. Exactly. Yeah, it's That's just too scary. And it's like, did you learn nothing through this whole season then? Yeah. Seriously. And then they have their first kiss, which is exciting. They've had, like, she's kissed him on the cheek before, but, um. This was cute. Yeah. The shippers must have been so happy. Because back, back then we weren't, they weren't, they didn't know what shippers were. And, and people were really more on the uh, Jack and Kate and Sawyer triangle, which I never cared about. But, like, Same. I, I thought this was very sweet, uh, you know, to be a non-shipper, but I can appreciate them the moment and putting those two together yeah yeah it's like the love triangle and then we've got like bernard and rose claire and charlie son and Jin, yeah desmond and penny and it's like nobody's trying to dispute any of those yeah exactly yeah shannon say cool. oh never mind yeah uh, uh, oh. oops so i think what we're gonna do is we're gonna do the flashbacks and then we're gonna do the ending because the ending has a bunch to do with penny But before we do the flashbacks, we're going to talk to you a little bit about Patreon. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate monthly to some of your favorite creators. Hopefully we are one of your favorite creators. (laughs) But basically what we can offer you to do our Patreon is early access. Um, This one specifically, I always try and get up at least a week in advance. So you can check that out. Um, Early access for all of our other podcasts as well. And we also send out a postcard every year to all of our patrons. So yeah, but if you can't start at by any chance, do you know a number? Just one dollar. That's be good. Yeah, that's pretty good. So basically, yeah, but if you can't donate for any reason, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. Okay, thank you. After quite a while of living with Kelvin and saving the world every 108 minutes, Desmond triggers a lockdown so that Kelvin can continue working on the blast door map. Kelvin's partner, Redzinski, started it. Where is he now? He's a stain on the roof. He shot himself. Desmond asks if he could go outside, but Kelvin says no. They discuss why they both left the army. Desmond has to stay in and press the button. First of all, Kelvin, you're not very nice. <laughs> That's um what I would call an understatement. Yeah. When does Clancy Brown play a nice guy? Okay, good right, point. Right, yeah. Good point. Okay. Mr. Krabs is not a nice guy. Uh, <laughs> I love that that's your reference point. <laughs> yeah. It's just so on brand. Well, would you say Mr. Krabs is a nice guy? No, I would say that he's a crab. Are you saying crabs can't be nice guys? I've never met a nice crab. They've all tried to pinch me. Crabist. <laughs> wow, we've digressed. I'm so, so sorry. So Des causes lockdown and he uses like a metal shelf or something to hold it. And I'm like, where was this metal shelf in 217? <laughs> Because apparently that one is like will hold it, but the stuff that Locke puts under there before does not hold it. Okay, sure. a shelf, a leg, same thing. Yeah. Um, he uses laundry detergent as paint, and he doesn't need the black light. And we still don't really know what made the black light go on in two seventeen. And do we? I don't know if we ever learn. Aesthetic. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah. He says that Rudzinski had a photographic memory, and we have a lot of Rudzinski thoughts in the spoiler section. So stay tuned Ooh. for those. <laughs> okay, great. So they say that Rudzinski killed himself and he only had 108 minutes to bury him. Yeah, you should have seen Rudzinski do this. He had a photographic memory. I mean, this whole baby was his idea. Yeah, right, Rudzinski. Rudzinski figured out how to fake a lockdown. Rudzinski created this great invisible map. 
more and more tales about your former partner, yet for some reason, you never want to tell me what bloody well happened to him. See that brown stain there? That's Radzinski. He put a shotgun in his mouth when I was asleep. And the bitch of it was, I only had 108 minutes to bury the poor bastard. That's that a devastating me, line. Yeah, and also, like, Radzinski knew that Kelvin would wake up and find him there. You yeah. Know? Like, I just, do you think he resented Kelvin or something? I think he just went nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It was just too much. He probably felt the same way about Kelvin that Kelvin does about Dez, which is, you're just someone I'm stuck down here with and I don't really care much about you. You mm -hmm. are annoying. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, really not a good social isolation buddy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Desmond says that he hasn't been outside for two years. I just really hope it doesn't get that <laughs> get that far. <laughs> Me watching like the 18 month project projections like, oh, Nate. Great. He says that he got kicked out of the army for not following orders and Kelvin left because men followed his orders and he feels guilty about it. And of course, we saw Kelvin in Saeed's episode, one of them. And so we know that's true. Oh, right, 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 right. right. Because Kelvin is actually the reason why Saeed started torturing people. He's the one who handed him the box. Such you know? a small world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like this was all planned. Such a weird coincidence. So then he joined Dharma and... Oh, that's a spoiler section thought that I didn't put in the spoiler section. Wow. Hold up. Let me you make sure. You let the whole team down. Um, Yeah, so he joined Dharma and he does like a really... Listen, for 2004, it could have been worse, but not like a great impression of Candleman. Yeah, he was just a slight bit racist. Yeah, it was, yeah. Just, it was just slight, like... It could could have been worse in 2004, but I'm also like, I don't like it. There's a lot of cringe-worthy things that happen in the early aughts. Yeah. And that's where Family Guy came from. I so. <laughs> it's like one thing to do like Sawyer's nicknames, which also aren't very good, but like to do an actual accent is like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he won't let Desmond leave. Why? Because of the boat? Because he's gaslighting him? Like, why exactly will he not let Desmond leave? Like, he doesn't want him to find that he's fixing up the boat, but if Desmond doesn't come towards the boat, then that's fine. Like, why can't Desmond leave, I guess? Do you think he thinks the button is real? <gasps> oh. Kelvin? Yeah. Well, yeah, he does say, like, yeah, that's my question is because then later he says, like, I was doing this so that you would stay and press the button, but then, but at first he offers Desmond to come with him. I think Kang so it's saying, like, like, if we plan this right, we can get out before the island blows up or whatever. Right. Mm. So it's like, either it's that, or it's him being like, come with me to make Desmond feel like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm in on it. I shouldn't be mad. He also wants to bring me with, but in reality, he never did. Yeah. I think it's probably that one where I think there's also like an element of the more he can control Desmond, the better. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he says that's an order to him. And he literally just said that he didn't want people to follow his orders because <laughs> they died. So I'm like, uh, okay. And that Des was kind of bad at taking orders. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, that's, that comes to fruition, I feel like. <laughs> Desmond wakes up with a start at the one-minute alarm going off. He runs to the computer and puts in the numbers. He hears Kelvin's drunken singing inside the floor, so he jumps in and finds Kelvin holding a key over a keyhole that looks pretty serious. It's the failsafe key. The whole thing will explode if they turn it. They could stop pushing the button if they did, but no one has the guts to die for it. 
Hmm. So I thought it was interesting that Desmond didn't wake up on the four minute alarm. <laughs> he just woke up on the one minute. So maybe he was real tired. He this was time. really sleepy that day. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Kelvin drugged him knowing what he was going to do. Oh, oh wow. Maybe. I'm just saying. Yeah. I would actually believe that for sure. Interesting. But then, but, huh, interesting. Because, but then he doesn't go through with it. And so it's like if Desmond hadn't woken up, then either way he'd be screwed and he'd be forced into it. True. I don't know. I'm just making it up as I go. Yeah. <laughs> Me going through life. No, it's interesting though. <laughs> so he gets drunk and then he climbs in there. I Like, I just wonder what finally brought him here because he's never shown Desmond that before. So it's like... Mortem? I mean, the whole time that Calvin was going outside for those two years when Desmond was inside, did he ever mm-hmm. interact with any of the others? Did he have no friends? He might have just gone crazy. Exactly. Well, either way, last episode, Desmond called the others the hostiles. Right. Which is something that the Dharma Initiative would say. Yeah. And the and he knew where the like fake camp was, which isn't on the lockdown map, the blast door map, because it's too far away from the hatch. So it's interesting that Desmond knew the name for the hostiles. So he knew there were other people on the island. Plus he knew where they were like residing. Yeah. So he has to have some information about this. I mean, they had two years in the hatch. I'm sure they talked. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Oh, I noticed this in our rewatch today. He calls him partner. And at first I thought, oh, you know, because cowboys say partner and it's just kind of a colloquial thing to say. (laughs) But I realized that like he calls Radzinski his partner. Yeah. And so now Desmond's like his partner, even though he technically wasn't him, you know, because they always ask, are you him? Right. Oh, yeah. And Desmond isn't him because he's not like the official partner that he's supposed to have. But but technically he is his partner because they're there together. Right. And whatever Mm -hmm. happened to the guy who was supposed to be Kelvin's partner? I mean, yeah, that's the question. Oh, my God. I never thought about that. Desmond even remembers. He says, are you him to Locke at the beginning of the season? And it's like, how did he remember that that was what you were supposed to ask? What did one snowman say to the other snowman? You know. He probably had, you know, uh, Dharma training 101 on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, maybe. Point, yeah. Like, we see the orientation films, but are there more for, like, specific places? where no, I, I hope so. <laughs> where Marvin Candle comes in or whatever and says, this is what you say if you're looking for your partner or something. Um, so they talk about the failsafe key, how there's going to be an explosion. He explains the incident and Desmond's saying, like, okay, let's just blow it up then. And no one has the courage ever to do it because then they'll die if they do it. Right. So it's like, either I die or I press the button. And everybody's just willing to press the button. See, that's why I think that was the psychological experiment. Mm. Was how long can you put up with something before you choose death? Yeah, I wonder if the Pearl had cameras down there as well. Yeah. Or how long can you observe people smoking in a small space? Yeah. Before you go crazy? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How long can you survive in that smoke? Mm -hmm. My question is, I wonder why Radzinski didn't do it. Like, he could have done it if he was planning on, like, dying anyway. Like, he could have gone down and pressed and, and... turned the key. Well, it could he be didn't. he didn't want to doom someone else to death. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think we don't know much about Radzinski, even though I'm saying right. this is a spoiler-free thing from what we learned, but, like, I think just from what we have seen in flashbacks with Saeed and with, why am I blanking on his name? The guy in the Give hat. Me a no, with the guy Kel- in the hat? Desmond's oh. partner! Oh, R- Kelvin? Thank you. Mm-hmm. We've seen Kelvin in flashbacks. He's got a tra- tra- traumatic military past. We don't really know what Radzinski's past is, but I think True. that uh, maybe they were at different wits end. Exactly. Yeah, true. Okay. The guy in the hat. Desmond shaves in the bathroom <laughs> to keep a routine. Kelvin re- prepares to go outside with his hazmat suit on. Desmond notices a gash in the material. He lets him go, but follows him. So Desmond's shaving every day and he's keeping a routine, which is what they tell us <laughs> to do. They say you should keep a routine so that you can still feel like yourself. 
when we're all in quarantine or social isolation, um, they say to keep your routine. And so I think it's funny that Kelvin's like, just let it go. Do whatever you want. Also hilarious. He shaves, he walks out the door, he's got almost a full beard. Like the dude, (laughs) there's some consistency in the filming. That that was the part that got me when we were watching. I was like, how does he have scruff? It's been five minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe the air or, the air down there is different. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he does sh- he does say he shaves every day, and there are some people who have to shave every day. See, you know that's the effect of the quote unquote radiation. It mm. just makes your hair grow real fast. Mm. <laughs> it's a weird island. Gotcha. We see that Desmond keeps a picture of Penny beside the mirror, which is really nice because even with all of the stuff that has happened with he and Penny, later we see that Penny keeps a picture of De- of her and Desmond beside her while she sleeps as well so they're both still on the same page where they still love each other even though like desmond is presumed dead right and he still can like tell that he's alive i feel like they have one of those relationships where like they would be able to feel it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so kelvin says goodbye to desmond and at first when i was doing my notes i thought maybe desmond could sense that it was kind of more final when he said goodbye because he kind of like looks at him weird Mm -hmm. but then he says that he can't leave until like a week away so he wasn't planning on leaving at that point I don't know I just thought that it was interesting that Desmond starts like obviously he had already been doubting Kelvin but like that goodbye was a little bit different and I'm not really sure why but he sees a rip in his suit and there's this huge predicament that we don't really even get to see is that Desmond could say something and save Kelvin's life. Oh my god. If he truly believes that the air is bad, he could save Kelvin's life by telling him. Or he could see if he's lying. But if he isn't lying, then Kelvin dies. <laughs> oh I didn't think about that at all. I just thought he knew right away that he was lying. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, I, it, it just a wonder, like, it's such a big gash. Like, did he know that it was there before? Like, Kelvin would have noticed if it was like, like, I don't know. Yeah. I just thought, like, it seemed kind of like a moment in which Desmond was like, I kind of have to choose if the air is radioactive or whatever. Then he puts on a bandana, which I guess they didn't have N95 masks back then. Yeah. (laughs) Right. He's like, this one isn't custom fit. Desmond wears fabric over his face to protect him from the toxic air, but actually everything is fine. Also, that'll do nothing. Yeah. He continues to follow Kelvin to a cliffside where he sees his own boat, the Elizabeth. Kelvin finds him and tells Des that he's fixing it up and asks Des if he wants to come with. Desmond is upset that Kelvin took away two plus years of his life, so he could be his replacement. He pushes Kelvin down and his head is hit on the rocks. Desmond has accidentally killed Kelvin. He grabs a failsafe key and runs back to the hatch. So Desmond leaves to see if it's true, but it could also be like to save him if it ends up being true, Mm -hmm. you know? So he's like, I won't tell Kelvin because I want to see if it's a lie, but if it isn't a lie, then I'll make sure I follow him so that I can save him if he starts like convulsing or something. I think the thing that I really, we talked about this when we were watching, Mm -hmm. but Like, in terms of lost locations, this is one of my favorites because it's so odd. Yeah, I got to go there for, like, the lost location tour that we went to when we were in Hawaii. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a really cool location, but it's very treacherous and slippery. Yeah, my my dad was willing to, like, walk all the way out there, and I was like, no, sir. (laughs) Not me, Uh -uh. uh-uh. Uh-uh, that's not my life. I'm pretty sure it's closed to the public now, probably because of people falling. Right. It's just really cool to see. I guess I'm just sitting here like, oh god, I love Hawaii. I love yeah. I love how amazing Hawaii is. Mm-hmm. I would like to go to Hawaii. But the, but those particular oh, okay. areas, they've had other episodes filmed there as well. It looks like Mars. Yep. Yeah. Totally. That's yeah, what I thought totally was so like cool. It's like very much looks like sort of like retro sci-fi, mm-hmm. like very like Close Encounters, old Star Trek. I so carefully tried not to say it. I <laughs> did for you. Thank you. 
But yeah, it's interesting. It does look like a, another planet because even though we've kind of seen a cliffside with Saeed going over there, it's like the first time we're seeing someplace like this on the island. Mm-hmm. So Kelvin doesn't even get that far outside before he takes off the suit. It's hot out there! Yeah, he's like, okay, well, this is over, I guess. But Kelvin did know he was being followed, but he waited all the way until they got off like at the cliffside to tell him. And I just wonder why he waited so long. He had the high ground. Mm. Clear lines of sight in every direction. And and he knew where he was and he knew the terrain and everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I also think he was lying when he said that the boat would be ready in a week. I think that if he wasn't followed, he would have taken off that day. Okay, oh, I that, like that. That fixes my theory. That fixes my theory because I was thinking that like that, that goodbye that he said to him felt so final. Yep. And that's kind of what like tipped Desmond off. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I like that. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Change approved. Um, and so basically, Kelvin can't really leave, like, because Kelvin believes in the button. He can't really leave if Desmond isn't there. And I just wonder if Kelvin has also experienced some sort of, like, system failure type thing, or if Radzinski drilled it into his head so much that it was real. Right. Hmm. Um, because obviously we have to talk about this in the spoiler section, but Radzinski has reason to truly believe in the, in the station. Right. I also also think he's totally lost his marbles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the evidence that he drew the map is that he's seen some things, you Mm -hmm. know? So he's been fixing up the boat and he invites him to come with. I was wondering if that was a real ask, but I I don't think it was. Mm -mm. No. Well, gosh, I didn't think you had the stones to come after. I was a spook for 10 years, Des. I know when I'm being followed. What are you doing with my boat? I'm fixing it. You were leaving? Well, I mean, not yet. She's still about a week away. You wrecked her pretty good, Des. So what do you think? Wanna come with me? Come where? What about the button? Screw the button, man. Who knows if it's even real? That's not what you say when you were going on and on about dams and electromagnetics and, and failsafe! Well, I was drunk. <laughs> Why did you lie to me? I lied to you because I needed a sucker to save the world after I left. And so Desmond starts freaking out. And you know what? In my opinion, this is not really an overreaction. No. It's been two years. We're at, we're at one month and we're going nuts. Yeah. Yep. Two and, years. And we can leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, if we wanted to go out to the beach, we could. You shouldn't. But you, you could. could. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he accidentally kills Kelvin. And it's kind of a recreation of Redzinski a little bit. Just because, like, your partner is dead. You have to do it by yourself now. Right. Um. And Desmond just kind of, like, leaves him there. Do you guys think he ever goes back? No. I think he's, so, he believes a button and he needs to get back and save everybody else or himself. So is Kelvin still out there? Did he get washed by the waves? Probably. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if someone picked him up at some point. Yeah. Like one of the others? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Interesting. Because did, did the others know about the boat? I think at some point they say that they want the boat. So I think that they know about the boat. Okay. I think they know about the boat. When he gets back to the hatch, the whole place is shaking. He nearly misses the window, seeing the hi- the window of time, seeing the hieroglyphs and everything. Magnetic things are flying through the air. Finally, he puts in the numbers and Desmond can finally grapple with everything that just happened. Okay. That was a big hour for him. (laughs) (laughs) Ever since that plane landed, he has not known peace. Yeah. So we have system failure. Everything starts flying and he 
saves it like literally just in the nick of time. And then I, my next note was just how could Desmond have believed Locke after something like this? But I think we already meant, mm-hmm. we already talked about that. Yes. Um, um, did you know that the hieroglyph um, clock is actually digital? Wow. What? Yeah. So it's, in Carlton Cuse's office, he has the original um, actual clock, but it doesn't function like that. That was a digital uh, turning of all of the hieroglyphs. <gasps> Interesting. Was was oh so the hieroglyphs was digital, but the normal clock wasn't digital, or it was, it was all. I digital. believe it was all digital. Okay, so they just like made an animation. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Was it like? Do you know if it was like a green screen that they did afterwards, or if it was like a screen that showed it? You I don't know? actually know. I don't okay. actually know. Interesting. I would be interested to find out. <laughs> I'm sure some nerd's gonna be like, "You're wrong." I'd be like, "Yeah, but I've seen the clock. Like, it's not. Yeah. You know, it's I'm still cool." <laughs> literally anyone could go up against Joe and Joe would be like, I am literally like the OG lost Stan. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I will admit when I'm wrong, which I have been, my memory is, is still pretty great. I'm not that old. Yeah. <laughs> about, am I? No. You remember things that I could not hope to remember. Between the two of you, I'm just sitting here like, I don't remember anything about this show, but I'm having a good time. Yeah. I mean, it helps that I rewatched it last year building the lost auction because I just thought that yeah. was really fun. And so I'm like, oh, right, that. Mm-hmm. That must have been really fun to watch it like, I mean, we talked about this earlier, but watching it with today's lens and knowing like, holy shit, this show holds up. Oh, yeah. And also just, I was still surprised by things I had forgotten. And mm-hmm. it was just like, from a totally awesome standpoint, I had some of the items that were on the show. So I would like freeze frame the shot and take a picture of the item I had in the auction. Right. <laughs> it was so that cool. is so cool. It, it's super cool being a nerd and being able to do this because I can enjoy it all. Mm-hmm. That's like the ultimate nerd dream, though, is to be like that to make your favorite thing that accessible to you. Mm-hmm. And people who are listening to this, you may not know me. Trust me when I tell you that I'm not bragging. I am 108 percent full of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And as Hurley might say on the show, you make your own luck. However, um, I have been very extraordinarily lucky. Um, I have built Cancer Get Sauce, but it's because I had the pre-existing relationships with people on the show, and just they've become in friendships since then, and it's just been a lovely. It, it's, I'm in a very unique position because I'm a fan, but I'm also a bridge between the cast crew creative of many shows and the fans. And I think I think that comes across with you, especially because people can tell immediately, whether on social media or listening to podcasts, that you have such a good big heart. I try. So, it's hard on social media, as you know, but I think once people yes. meet me, they're like, okay, I get it. Exactly. So it's like, of course you have this access and never once have I seen any sort of like, I, I, and maybe from, it's just the Lost fans, but I've never seen anyone say, oh, like she takes advantage of these things. It's like, no, she, she is as excited about this stuff as we are. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, luckily, I mean, as you've experienced, I think your listeners do, the Lost fandom is, is quite kind across the board and if not they're constructive yeah. more so than more of the modern shows this is a more constructive thoughtful not to say that other shows aren't but this is a more constructive group of fans collectively and i'm being general but it's true mm-hmm. i think that also like harkens back to like where the fandom was born right because it was born on message boards where brevity was allowed you could really discuss these issues in depth and it wasn't boiled down to a single tweet Right, and we didn't have tweets. We had people's blogs, and we had people's MySpace mm-hmm. pages before Facebook, and that's where I used to share my theories on MySpace, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I was on LiveJournal. Yeah, there you go. Like, we were doing the Battlestar Galactica fandom on LiveJournal, and that was, like, probably the last good fandom that I was ever in because we were allowed to really thoughtfully analyze stuff, and you were allowed to make mistakes. Right, absolutely. That's what I appreciate about you guys. It's like, we're going to screw up, but we'll own up to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, like, a thing that we actually really believe in. It's just, like, we are all human, so mm-hmm. if you screw up, just say, say it. it. Say it and then mm-hmm. move on. Absolutely. Okay, I digress. 
Uh, Desmond feels hopeless. Ooh, interesting thing to bring. <laughs> interesting okay. thing to jump back in on. Um, he opens up our mutual friend to start reading it, so you know things are dire. A letter falls out of the book. It's from Penny. She says she hid it there as he was leaving for prison, and she did it because she knows this is where he would turn in his last moments. She tells him not to give up and that she'll always love him. Desmond gets upset, throwing books everywhere. He hears Locke pounding on the door and turns on the light. It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, go ahead, Joe. I was saying, I just I have a soft spot like everyone else for Desmond and Penny. I've never met anyone who didn't like Desmond and Penny. Right. And if like, they don't, I don't want to meet them. And, <laughs> and we see Sonia Walker so infrequently that it's always such a surprise <laughs> and a joy to hear her voice. Mm-hmm. And she I, has such so a pretty. Voice. Such a great voice. She has a great book podcast, by the way. Oh, I didn't know she had a book podcast. Yeah, Sonia Walker and her friends, uh, they talk about different books. It's really great. I forget the name of it. Okay. Just look up Sonia Walker on iTunes podcast. Anyway, okay. um, I I forgot about this scene, and I've always loved the the letter, the, the writing of the letter is such a lost, rom- pun intended, romantic art. And mm-hmm. between this and a future episode that's very beloved in the, in the Lost fandom, with good reason, I think this is like a precursor to that. It totally it has it has echoes of that for sure. Echoes. Ah! Um, her podcast is called Bookish with Sonia Walger. There you go. So Come there you on, go. Google. Oh my god, she has an episode of Damon Lindelof. Yes. Save! <laughs> Nerd! Save. So, saving that one. Find someone who loves you as much as Robin loves Damon Lindelof. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Icon. Have you seen Watchmen? Not yet. No, we don't it's have HBO, yeah. but I want to watch it so bad. My goddess. You guys. It is going to be, it's a one season show. It is probably the most spectacular one season show I have ever been able to witness. I really want to watch it. I heard so many good things about it. I'm like, maybe if, like, if we get it, we have to get it for one month and we have to binge all of Watchmen and then season three of Westworld just to make it worth it. That's my thing is that like, we need to wait until there's a there's a month left of Westworld so that we can like, so that we don't like lose our free trial Exactly. And there's like two episodes left of Westworld. I would say for Watchmen of Westworld, it's worth the month. Okay, yeah. I would I would do it. Okay. We can split it. Mm, we'll consider it. Mm, okay. Back to okay, Penny great. and Desmond. Yeah, yeah, of course. So this is day 41. Desmond is going to read it. And he's like, okay, well, that's all I'm going to do. And then he's going to turn the key, I suppose. Um, so he finds this letter from Penny. And of course, this is why last episode she asked if he had read it. Um, she said, have you read your beloved book? And he says no. And so... She knows that he hasn't read it yet. She wrote it as he went to prison, and she talks about the weight of what happened. Dearest Des, I'm writing this letter to you as you leave for prison, and I've hidden it in the one place you would turn to in a moment of great desperation. I know you go away with the weight of what happened on your shoulders, and I know the only person who can ever take it off is you. Please don't give up, Des. Because all we really need to survive is one person who truly loves us. And you have her. I will wait for you always. I love you. Pen. It's not super clear what she means by the weight of what happened. Is it like with her? Or is it like the weight of like the not taking order thing, orders thing, which is why he got dishonorably discharged? Like that's it's not super clear what she means. Um, I think she's talking about her father. Me too. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. It's just like, most of it's about her, but then she starts talking about when he was in prison, and so it's like, okay, so are we talking about prison or are we talking about you? I think all of those things. Yeah, true. You only need one person who loves you, which is her, and it's like, she wrote that before he went to prison, and then she goes and she sees him at the stadium before he does his tour to Stad with Jack, and he basically like, almost like blows her off a little bit. After she wrote him this lovely letter. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, 
But she's like, says she's getting married and it's a lot. So Desmond- There's a lot of tears. Desmond moves the ping pong table just like SR in the things, in the um, uh, notebooks. Mm -hmm. And three days later is when they open the hatch. So he must have put it all back and cleaned it in three days because when they go down there, it's not all messed up. Yeah, totally. He was like, okay, hope is restored. Let's clean the house. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. He's like, I'm going to mess it up. And then, I, and then I'm going to clean it back up again. Yeah. And then I'm going to go back to my routine of making stuff and working out. Yeah. You know how it is. Yeah. So he hears Locke, and before Locke had said it was probably just you going to the bathroom, it didn't mean anything, but it turns out that this moment was really important for both of them. And Imagine if it really was Desmond going to the bathroom. Yeah. He'd be like, oh, I can't actually tell you that that's wrong. <laughs> but now Desmond knows that there's another person around. Like, he knows that the hostels are around, but he knows that there's another person who's, like, there. And curious about the hatch. Like, I know it doesn't really read as this, but, like, I wonder if he's, like, maybe I can get this person to come down and press the button for me. Which he kind of does. Well, he might also think that that's his replacement. Right. Oh, right. Like, his literal and actual replacement. Right, right. That was, I thought, too. Yeah. Right, that could be the hope, hope that he's looking for. We cracked it. We figured it out. That's it. That's all the flashbacks. Yeah. And then we do the ending. Does anybody have any other flashback thoughts before we move on? No, but I I have to talk about that ending, man. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, here we go. Finally, we join two men who live in a small shelter in a blizzard. They play chess together and notice that they are... that their computer has registered an elect. Jeez, they play. Okay, they play chess together and notice their- that their computer has registered an electromagnetic anomaly. They start freaking out, and one of them makes a phone call. It's to Penny Widmore. They found it. So these men, they live in a tent in a snowy blizzard, and I have a DM from one of our friends here. She speaks Portuguese. She's from Portugal. And so she, I asked her if she had any thoughts on what they said, how the, how the subtitles did and, and such. So she sent me that and uh, this is it. So it's from our friend Joanna, who is at Veridissima and she was on our episode for the long con. So if you guys want to hear more from her, you can check out that episode. Okay, here we go. I rewatched the scene and I have a few thoughts and I don't know how interesting they are. So only use what you actually think could be interesting to share. Spoiler alert. (laughs) I I thought it was all interesting. (laughs) So for the first thing is just before the subtitles show up, they're talking about the heater and the man sitting down says, don't worry, that's broken. So maybe some worries. Yeah, I guess so. Now the rest of the subtitles are very similar to what's being said. Sometimes it's just missing some words used for emphasis or to build more stress between the two characters. Now there's an important change when one of the man says, that's it, isn't it? We missed it again. He also says they're going to kill us and that's cut from the subtitles. Hmm. Oh, I feel the idea that they're under threat and afraid to die does change things a bit and explains the enormous, enormous stress they're under. Also, the use of they is interesting here because the rest of the scene implies just Penny is responsible for this situation. I wonder if this could be related to the alternative ending mentioned in Lostpedia, which we'll talk about, uh, which is more connected to the Widmore company than just Penny. Also, that last moment in the snow scene, just before they make the phone call, when the man orders the other to shut up and call, in the original Portuguese, he says, shut up and call for help, which I feel implies something different from what the subtitles show. In terms of language, I can't tell you the details where the accent is from, but I do know that sentence construction and by expressions used, it's Brazilian Portuguese and not European Portuguese. And also, I think it's very much informal Portuguese, which I feel shows some intimacy between the characters. I hope this offers some help. Feel free to use what you feel matters. And if you need anything else, let me know. So Joanna, the amount of insight that was in there, it changes so much. So thank you so much. I'm I'm, I'm only wondering if it's just like a technical screw up on the writers in terms of their translation. Because I never at all would think that there's any kind of threat coming from toward them from Penny and it was Mm -hmm. all positive intent. But that is very interesting. Totally. There was an alternate ending? 
Yeah, I'd love to tell you about it, actually. But is that a spoiler? Uh, no, I don't think so, because it, it was completely cut. Okay. So, uh, okay. According to the May 26, 2006 official Lost podcast, the crew started writing Live Together Die Alone four weeks prior to its airing. <laughs> oh my god. The episode was shot in 17 days with two sim- simultaneous crews, and the final scene with Penelope was shot just five days before airing. Yeah. Originally, the ending scene was completely different. It took place in the office of Widmore Industries, featuring Penny, a researcher, and a receptionist. The ending started with the researcher receiving a mysterious phone call. He then bursts into a board meeting with a dot matrix printout at his hand, and the scene ended with him sharing information to Penny that they found it. However, under unknown circumstances, the producers decided not to use this scene in the final moment. As a replacement, a new shot featuring Penny had to be shot just five days before airing, and the original ending was never released. So my big question about this is, like, the scene that we got, like, what did it give us that this alternate scene didn't? You know, like, what what made them change it at the very, very last second? I like that it wasn't set anywhere near where her father's business was, that this seems mm-hmm. like something to me that Penny financed herself out without her dad knowing or using his resources. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was thinking. And I have to tell you, I have a lot of thoughts about this scene is responsible for me starting a lost blog because I oh, wow. didn't, I had a lot of thoughts. I would share them with friends and stuff, but I, this, I, my conspiracy theory brain took off because there were a few things along the way that made me think, and I'm trying not to spoil here, but the usage of snow and ice throughout the mm-hmm. series has been relevant. Oh, yeah. Um, including, like, the what does one snowman say to another? Being yes. The, the code. Also, the guy in the, the hatch, the hatch, I call it the snow hatch, looks just like <laughs> Matthew Fox and threw us all off. We were convinced it was his twin. Oh, my gosh. Because ABC put out a book at the same time called Bad Twin, you guys. Yes, oh my God. by Gary Troop. Exactly. Which is purgatory. It's an anagram for purgatory. Anyway. That, so, yeah, that, that my conspiracy brain, brain loved that. And I loved it. Like, here you are at a tropical island and you have two dudes in a snow globe. Literally, they joked about it being a snow globe and they put two good dudes in a snow mm-hmm. globe. Snow globe and snowman. Exactly. And they're the two snowmen. Oh, my God. Yeah. And polar bear. And, what? like, there's so many different yes. things. Mm-hmm. And... I won't say, but mm, there's some stuff I can say in the spoilers about further things. But yeah. uh, I just thought this was an out of the, extraordinarily out of the blue, and I like that. Mm-hmm. It's so, the perfect cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. It'll just leave you dying for more. And then, of course, you have to wait eight months. Oh, my God. I know, dude. Uh-uh. Eight months. I used to be more patient, but like I'm distracted. I have things. I have shiny things. I have Instagram yeah. and Twitter. So mm-hmm. exactly, I, immediate gratification is key. It's for better or for worse, as we both know. Yeah, exactly. So basically, the anomaly gets detected, and they need to tell Penny as soon as possible. And they say that they missed it again. So my headcanon slash theory that I am saying is that maybe the last time when they missed it was September 2nd, 22nd? Absolutely. Like, it has to be, right? Yeah, they were just obviously playing their game and didn't look up. Right. And they say it's not a false alarm this time. Right. So what was last time where it was a false alarm, I wonder? Well, Dad stopped it. Yeah. Right. But it is still the same electromagnetic anomaly, so how does that make it a false alarm? It just means they missed it, right? Maybe because it continued on past a certain time. Like, I don't know. Maybe, 40, yeah. 15, 16, 20, 42. I don't know. Yeah. It knows? probably built strength mm-hmm. because, like, the phenomenon would, all, like, culminate in the explosion, right? So right. the explosion is going to send that spike up. Gotcha. Okay. Um, just making up science. <laughs> Penny still keeps the photo next to her bed. <laughs> they say that she found it. Does she know that she's looking for an island is my question because they don't say we found him. They say we found it. Uh, oh. So I think that she maybe knows that she's looking for an island, but I can't say why she would know that. I mean, he was 
on a boat. There's stuff from future yeah. seasons that play back into this. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the that's that. There's a lot to talk about in the spoiler section, but I think that's what we've got for um, our main point of the episode. Does anybody have any more thoughts um, before the spoiler section? Nope. Nope. Cool. So now we're going to do segments. So our first segment is Man of Science, Man of Faith. Hi, guys. So um, we were dumb and we totally forgot to do our favorite line award <laughs> for some reason. So, we're having too much fun. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just inserting it right here real quick. Um, My favorite line award goes to Henry for... Where's your beard? I think they... No. Because I just love how completely and utterly incompetent Tom Friendly is. I just yeah. think he's lovely. He gets put on, like, the good stuff. Like, he's, like, he gets the important, <laughs> like, missions. Where's your beard? But he doesn't deserve it. It's so great because Henry walks up and, like, that's what he notices. Yeah. I'm like, bro, like, where's okay. your beard? Where's your beard? You had one job. <laughs> and mine goes to Desmond for... I think your friends just blew themselves up, brother. That was pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, we got a hold of Joe, and her favorite line award went to Locke for... I was wrong. That's a good one. Ooh. He was wrong. He was so wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, back to segments. So our first segment is Man of Science, Man of Faith. Um, I think last episode we pegged Desmond as a man of faith, um, and I think we could probably keep him as man of faith, unless you guys want to argue for man of science for Desmond. Hmm. Well, he saw the science at work. He saw the electromagnetic field uh, take down a plane. So Right, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And then it's like... But he does also try to believe in John for a minute there, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the point, is that they're supposed to be both at the same time. Right, of course. Okay. Hurley's Walkman. So, Chains and Things, which is a song by B.B. King, it's heard on the Swan record player. Um, And The Land of Two Rivers is a former Iraqi national anthem, uh, which is what Kelvin is singing. So, that's just another... Thing that ties him to that Saeed episode. Of course he would be singing that. Yeah. Uh, remind me of the spoiler section to talk about why the B.B. King song is cruel. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. We'll do that as soon as we get there so we don't forget. Okay. Um, now it's Sawyer's Book Corner, uh, Our Mutual Friend, which we talked about um, in previous episodes, so I don't think we need to talk about it now, but it's there. Did they do the thing? The thing is when they say the episode of the, t- uh, the title of the episode in the episode, last episode... They did it, not technically this episode, but since it's part of a finale, I still think it counts. Yeah, it counts. They did the thing. You still do a shot. How many episodes since the last knockout? Did anybody get knocked out this episode? Because they just got bags put on their heads slash, like, electrocuted. Explosion? Explosion knockouts. That's true. Okay. Aw, oh, man. <laughs> did anyone get knocked out? Meat. There was a big bomb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're back to uh, square one on the lo- on the knockout counter. <laughs> um, so that's a zero for... It did get as high as like what four once? Four is the is the highest yeah. we've got. No one had a concussion for four episodes. Yeah. How many episodes since the last Jack Splain? Did Jack Jack Splain <laughs> anything? He just he just does it so much. Jack wasn't in it a lot, and he didn't have a lot of lines because he was gagged. So seven episodes since our last Jack Splain. Listen, you get to season five. There's going to be a lot of Jack Splaining. Yeah, there'll be more Jack Splaining coming soon. Yeah. Oh, in other seasons for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Does this episode pass the Bechdel test? Uh, no. Mm, no. A uh, little disappointing at uh, how infrequently it does, but it's fun when it does. Yeah. Alas. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Thank you so much to the creators and community at Lostpedia. They really 
just do it all, you know? Mm-hmm. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a nice review on iTunes. We like those. We also have a survey. It's in the description, and it's just some things that you like about the podcast so that we know what to keep doing, and some things that you don't like about the podcast so we know what to work on. No, don't tell me what you don't like. I can't handle criticism at this time. <laughs> Great. Um, but if you don't want to leave us a huge, long review, the stars. Those are super, super easy to do. Just give us a couple stars. That'd be great. Five if you if you like. <laughs> like, hmm, here's a here's a suggested number. If you're a fan of the hundred, we'd like to talk about that show too. Uh, we're coming up on the seventh season soon-ish. Actually, when this comes out, it'll be like what less than a month. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, it'll be that month. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, if you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. We did seasons one, two, three, and four, and uh, it's been renewed for five. And gosh, is it fun! And we also have a partnership with an app called TVCo for Riverdale, in which we weekly live streams of rewatching the previous week's episodes. So we have lots of fun over there. So you can check that out too. Basically, what we do is eat and watch Riverdale. Yeah, it's great. A mukbang. People show up. It's fun. <laughs> If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We are in the middle of doing season two right now, and hopefully season three soon after that. And then season four will be here, mm-hmm. please God. Yeah, so we're doing all of season two throughout the whole year. So like every eight weeks, so we're taking up the whole year to do season two. We're taking up all of 21 to do season three. And uh, then we're we're just uh, TikTok for uh, strange- for season four. I, do you think... I- is that affected by what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. They were they were shooting, so maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, sad. If you're a fan of Star Trek, we have a podcast for Star Trek Yay! Picard. We did all of season one, um, and I sat next to Brittany and Sam while they talked <laughs> about things and occasionally had thoughts, but we are continuing to put out some Star Trek content on that feed, so if you like Star Trek, you can hang out with us there. It's a happy place to be, I think. Yeah. You can follow the Autos on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, mostly Twitter, and Ramen Makes Gifts are our favorite line awards on Tumblr. Please support me on Tumblr. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's expensive. We give this to you for free. You're welcome, but it's not <laughs> free. It's not free to make. And uh, I know everybody's struggling in this time. I don't know. Are we still struggling in May? I hope not. Yeah, we but, are. <laughs> but either way, um, we could really use your help over there. You get early access to all of our podcasts, especially Lost. I usually get those up a whole week in advance. So... You can follow me on Twitter at Appertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty, pretty much, much everywhere. everywhere. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks, ladies. Where can we find you? Uh, at Joe Pinionated and at Cancer Gets Lost. Those will be in the description if you're looking for them. Great. So our next episode is going to be a season two roundtable. And our guests are Alice, who is at Alice V underscore V underscore Smith. We've never had her on before, so it's really, really exciting. It's Claire's girlfriend. Yes. And also Coco, who is at the one with Coco. Brittany. She's my biological child. Yeah. <laughs> Coco has... I asked her... Basically, I asked people for people who wanted to come on the season two roundtable, and she said, I would. And I said, have you seen Lost? And she said, no. (laughs) So, um, basically, I told her if she could finish at least season two in like a month, that I would let her come on. So we'll see if Coco is able to come or not. All right. But hopefully. Hey, guys, just popping in real quick to say two things. The first of which is that Coco didn't finish in time, so we are going to actually be having Angela on in addition to Alice. She was at IRL Writer's Block. You might remember her from our 
maternity leave episode. Um, so we're excited to have her. And the other thing is that Calgary Expo has officially been canceled. So uh, just my luck. And I uh, guess I'm never meeting a lost actor ever. Uh, that's it. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Spoilers now. I was like, okay, Spoiler. can we talk now? Jeez. Let's just talk now. BB King, BB King, start with that. Okay. This, if you think about what happens to my beloved Juliet in season mm-hmm. five, chains, Oop. come on. Oops. Wow, that's hurtful. I'm just saying it wasn't, I know it's totally coincidental, but I mm-hmm. looked at that and went, oh, chains and things. Oh, that's what, okay, that's what took her down in the, in the hatch. Great. Great. Whenever Robin brings up the incident, I'm like, we don't talk about the incident. Uh, <laughs> We don't talk I'm about I'm like, girl, happens. it's our job to no. talk about the incident. No. Oh my God. It's season six premiere in Hawaii. I was lucky enough to be there. And uh, on the red carpet with my little blog, it was so exciting. Anyway, I sat with a bunch of fran- fans and friends uh, watching the season six premiere on the beach. They sh- literally opened season six showing her die again. And all these people like went to hug me. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I will be fine. I'm fine. But I was like, really? I have to act normal. They have to show it again. Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, go on. Um, okay, so going into my spoiler thoughts for the first storyline, so the rescue mission, my first question, and we're obviously going to talk about Redzinski in a bit, but the whole notebook thing, the pearl, did Redzinski know about the pearl? I think so. I think he knew the pearl existed, but did he know that, like, they were watching him in the pearl? I don't think he knew the purpose of it, but I think he knew of it. He's the one who okay. he built the swan hatch, so. Yeah. Totally. How did he know about the pearl? Because he was in the Dharma Initiative, and I think yeah. the pearl was made before the swan. Oh. He kind of seemed like he was on the inside. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, he worked at the Flame. Yeah. And the Flame is another one of the stations that the pearl sees. So right. they get hit with the shocker guns, and the shocker guns are used quite a few other times. Yeah. That's like one of the other's like staple like weapons. That's kind of the real guns. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about the whispers? Sure, yeah. Yes. So it's interesting. I never actually read what they were saying, but, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in later seasons, they have suggested that the Whispers are people who have died on the island and they, their souls couldn't leave. So they have yeah. there to warn other people. So when you hear the name Elizabeth, it's because Libby was just shot by Michael. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, we know that Libby isn't one of them of the Whispers, but because she's in the flash sideways yeah but yeah it's interesting what they say and one of the things that really messed me up about the whispers was if you go and look at what they said in abandoned right before um shannon dies yeah is it uses like a quote that boone said in the flashbacks of that episode and so you're like oh my gosh is boone one of the whispers and like no so it's like at that point they don't really know what the whispers are i don't think no but it's kind of um, cool. <laughs> but it's really cool when you go and look at them and you're like, I have chills. Right, right. Yeah. Danny kicks Sawyer down, like, when they get to the pier. I and, just laughed. I'm so sorry. And um, Danny and Sawyer have a lot of problems next season. They do. Um, Danny, like, almost kills Sawyer in season three. So I just wanted to point out their animosity. What the hell is Danny's problem? Well, son kills his wife. Yes. That's a good So he's like, now I problem. have to kill somebody. All right, yeah. fair Tri- It's Trixie from Deadwood. Like, I love how many people from Deadwood were on this show. Okay, I digress. What? I, isn't that, she's Katniss's mom on the Hunger Games? See, now we're aging ourselves. Yes, yes, she <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. I was like, she was on Lie to Me. 
There you go. And she yeah. was on, she's on Ray Donovan. Okay, so yes. my favorite goof from the pier scene is hmm. when they pick everybody up to their feet. Alex grabs Kate's boobs accidentally. Yeah. Oh my god. And then she's like, whoops. It's hilarious oh, that they no. didn't cut that out. Yeah. Why didn't they cut that out? I was oh, like, no. oopsies, that's not her armpits, Alex. Yeah. I guess if they were, like, delivering this finale in, like, what, less than a month? Right. They were like, probably didn't even oh, see right, it. Oh, right, true. It just makes me laugh because I think that's such a great scene, and then you're like, oh, oopsies, okay. Oops. <laughs> I've been completely taken out of this scene. Oh, dear. Right. <laughs> um. So, Ben, Ben always keeps his word. Yeah. He's a huge liar, but he always keeps his word. So I liked this moment where he was like, okay, what, like, I obviously have to keep my word because you did all the things that I asked you to do. But it reminded me in season four when Ben gets saved again and he just turns to Richard and says, what was the agreement? And then it's like, okay, well, Ben and, or uh, Kate and Saeed, you guys can go, I guess then. Like, he's so, because... obsessed, he's so obsessed with the rules of Widmore, too, in the future. Yeah. Like, you broke the rules. Yeah, totally. Which oh, I, right, true. I can appreciate that. But can I talk about, I think there was something they didn't consider, which is when he gave Michael the coordinates. This is yeah, after they didn't expect the quarantine door explosion. They didn't expect the hatch explosion. I think that that moved the island, and the coordinates should technically be wrong by that point. Oh. I didn't even think about that. But the bearing would still be the same, right? Potentially, but I was like, when I rewatched that yesterday, I went, oh, wait a second. It's not till later we learned that when the flash happens and the electromagnetic pulse happens, the island moves. So Michael right. gave him a bearing, which technically at that time should be fine. That would have been so cool if they had mentioned that in Meet Kevin Johnson. Right. I thought about that. Yeah. But I don't think the bearing changes because he does get out. Right, right. But could you argue that Jacob helped him out there? Absolutely. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And I also love that this is the last time we saw them together, but then we learn later that he's a mole and he's working for Ben again. Yeah. Right, so so you were saying, like, um, uh, Brittany, you were asking if Walt ever figured out, like, what yeah. Michael ended up doing. And I think, I think the answer is yes, because Michael goes to see him, but yeah. then his, his grandma won't let him see yep. Walt, because Walt is, like, messed up by learning what happened. Oh, And that's okay. part of why Michael is so is so sad. And that's why they had to show Malcolm David Kelly in a window because he was like six feet tall at that time. Yeah. Oh yeah. no! He's actually a, a very successful uh, pop rapper now. I lo- Honestly, I love their music. KTO is real good, actually. It's real catchy. Yeah, I love it. He's super I nice. actually didn't know that like a mainstream song was them until mm-hmm. Robin was like, yeah, this is his band. I was like, huh? He's the MK. Yeah. It, they, they're genuine bops. Yeah. Spotify knows that I love them, and so they always give me all of their new stuff. And I'm like, thank you. Speaking of thank you, in their vi- their video for thank you, yes! uh, Harold Perrineau is in it. Yes. There's so much in that in that music video. They've got, like, this chalkboard, and it's just filled with stuff. And I'm like, this is what I signed up for. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love nerds. Um, so Ben tells Michael that he won't ever be able to come back, and he actually does, and it's with Ben's help. Yeah. Oh, Ben, you dirty rotten liar. Um, he says that they're the good guys, but are they the good guys? No, absolutely not, no. <laughs> no. No. Does Ben does, especially. Does Ben believe that he's part of the good guys? No. No, I truly don't think he does. No. I think Ben knows he's the villain. Hmm. I think he loves it. Exactly. Because he's at that point, remember, we don't know about Jacob. He thinks he's in charge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. Oh, Ben. What about you? <laughs> yeah, what, what about, about you? you? I feel so bad for him because, like, Ben and Locke have such similar, you know, trajectories in terms of having their faith broken. But with Ben, it was just like, oh, you beautiful idiot. Yeah. 
You played the villain for no reason. It's interesting because Ottawala, you know, chose to leave the show, which is why they had to kill off Echo in the future. And they had this whole, I believe, six season plan with Echo and Locke, and then they had to switch it to Locke and Ben, and then Locke and Ben and Widmore. It was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I'm sorry they switched it to Locke and Ben, though, because of the chemistry that Terry and Michael have. Mm-hmm. Oh, I 100% want their detective show on the air. Yes. Yes. I have, like, ever since they mentioned that, like, what, years and years and years ago, I've just been waiting for it. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I know Michael's on Evil now, but they should just write it together. Well, at some point, they wanted to get him on, or Terry on Person of Interest, and the fact that they never did it haunts me. I know. I think there was just too many conflicts. Yeah. yeah. They did get everyone, they got other people, though. Widmore. Um, they got a lot, yeah. Yeah. So, we know why they chose Hurley, but why did they choose Jack Sawyer and Kate? Biggest troublemakers. Did they, were they trying to, like, break a stallion? I think that they, again, had a spies on the beaches and spies on the cameras. And I just feel like if they saw when Sawyer was shot, how Kate was taken care of. They, I think they saw, A, a love triangle, B, three, leader, three leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think that those two factors made them their recruits. What was the, like, what do you think their goal was in taking these three people? Just, like, eliminating their leaders eliminating like the people who were the most influential yeah i think they was uh, emotional manipulation to the point where they would turn against each other and then give them the information they all needed and then like convert them into others or what do you think i don't know if they were to do that or actually genuinely when they done need- needing them for what they needed them for they were going to kill them kill you them know? right yeah. I just think that it was such, and I know obviously they had to do this for narrative's sake, but like it was such an oversight to not have Saeed on that list. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Like the most competent man on the island and you skipped him. Maybe because they knew about his past. Listen, in the future we see that there's literally an internet connection. Juliet's able to see her sister at a park. So they are they have connection constantly with the mainland. And so <laughs> if they know and have case histories on every single person, they might know that Saeed's the one they'll never break. That's Oh my true. god, duh. And also, in the season three finale, Saeed's literally tied up exactly like this and still manages to break a guy's neck. Oh, he, I call it the breakdancing neck. Yeah. My- yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. I love it. Yeah. Saeed is like, in my head, Saeed was like the lead of this show because mm-hmm. they constantly kind of sometimes have to give him the idiot ball in order to justify why... Jack has to solve a problem instead of Saeed. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this man knows everything. Season yeah. five aside, <laughs> season five aside, I love Saeed. I think he was just terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what they. I know we're not supposed to say character deserved better, but Saeed deserved a little better, especially. Yeah, season six was rough for him, and I, I, I'm still a little upset with that. Someone recently asked me if I could take one character from Loth and one character from the Hundred and, and live in isolation. I said, without question, Saeed and Raven, because I take people with skills. They right. know totally, and I think like. I have, like, a note in my phone that's, like, lost characters that correlate with the hundred characters, and Raven and Saeed, like, that's them. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the characters that always get overlooked. It's like they're Mm -hmm. they're so hyper-competent that people kind of just, like, skate right over them and consider them, like, you know, more of the hands. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, 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 these are the brilliant ones. Those are the ones you've won. They also don't let them have love. True. Just taken. Hmm. Things to think about. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, going into the other storylines, um, I took this from Lostpedia. As Charlie and Echo prepare to use the dynamite on the blast doors in the Swan Station, Desmond says to Locke that it would take an atom bomb, atom bomb to get through the doors. Later in Season 5, when the survivors are living in 1977, they detonate a hydrogen bomb at the Swan Station construction site, releasing the energy that would crash their plane. Yep. So, that's a, that's a bit of a parallel. It's a great one, though. He, he mm-hmm. was definitely onto something with that one. Hmm. Let's see what else do I have I mean, here. think about it. These are seeds that are planted in dialogue, in scripts, that they have a continuity director. And, like, this is something they, they were probably pondering how they're going to do it in season five. They went, oh, wait, you know, 
I'm just giving them a lot of credit, but it's true. I know for sure they yeah. had a continuity Bible. They had a guy in charge of it, so. Whoever that guy is, I hope I hope he knows or, you know, she knows how much I admire them. I want that job. His name is Greg Nations. That's always been my dream job because I'm a, an archivist by day and I obviously run CGL and uh, I like organizing and keeping track of items. So I agree with you. Yeah, Greg Nations, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. I always thought for like shows that fail at that a little, just hire your fans who run your wikis. I true. You know? mm-hmm. Just hire no one's gonna know more than those nerds. Mm-hmm. True story. I wish Riverdale would hire me. I I, I don't <laughs> want to know as much as I do. I don't want to know. I don't as want much you to know as much as you do about But Riverdale. I know so much. Okay. Okay. So when Charlie regains consciousness and can't hear, they do this specifically in the beginning of season six after a giant explosion. With Kate. Mm-hmm. With Kate, yeah, exactly. So oh. that reminded me of that. Yep. Desmond talks about how Locke saved him so that he could save Locke. And I know that it's supposed to, it's about Charlie later, but I really love the whole thing about Wonderwall with Charlie and Desmond. Maybe you're gonna be the one that saves me. And it re- this reminded me of the beginnings of that sort of relationship because Desmond and Charlie is like my crack ship because of that. <laughs> yeah, season three, it's such a great relationship. Totally. Um, oh, I have a question. Okay. How the hell did that blast not kill Echo? <laughs> uh, Jacob. The island wasn't done with him yet. Yeah. Okay. Jacob for sure. So magic. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Basically. Okay, so flashbacks. All right. Radzinski. What a jackass. Radzinski says he has, okay, so he had a photographic memory. Is Radzinski's photographic memory brought up in season five at all? No. He I just, don't think so either. It's so funny. I'm, Eric, Eric Lang is a friend of mine. He's a delightful human being. and He's the opposite of Radzinski, so I love what a dick he was on this show. I hate Radzinski. <laughs> I mean, there was the nicest people. Yeah. I, the nicest people play the total a-holes. Although, yes. obviously, obviously, Jorge is just as lovely as Hurley, so that's an exception. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Radzinski, there's really nothing redeemable or likable about him. Yeah. What? Oh, shoot. Why can't I remember his name right now? Have you ever met the guy who played Martin Keeney? Um, I met him at a Giacchino concert and he's very tall and intimidating looking, but he's very nice. Oh, I knew it. And I'm also blanking on his name right now. <laughs> he just looks like he has so much fun playing Kimi, who's the worst. He has beautiful eyes and he's a lovely, lovely guy. But yeah, he played, he was an amazing villain, actually. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he really does make good eggs. You know what? I get it. I bet he gets asked that quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would ask him to sign an egg. Oh, Okay. Maybe, like, a, maybe a plastic Easter egg. Yeah, like yeah what yeah. happens when that egg goes bad? Oh, okay, you guys, if you insist. <laughs> oh my god. I feel like once you say his name, I will feel dumb. Remember when we used to be able to go to conventions to have actors sign weird things? I just wanted to say that... Kevin Durand. Kevin Durand, yes. yes Not to be guy. confused with the basketball player, Kevin Durand. Okay. Right. I genuinely thought those were the same person until this second. Well, what is black and what is white, so... Yes. What? <laughs> So this year for Calgary Expo, this is, it was my first opportunity to ever meet some lost actors. Okay. I've spoken to Andrea Gabriel um, because we did an interview with her and you guys should go check angel. that out because she was so lovely. Yep. Um, but I've never met a lost actor. And um, this year for Calgary Expo, Dominic Monaghan, Ian Somerhalder, and Emily Duravin were all coming. Oh, is it canceled? Oh, it yeah. was postponed to July. And luckily I can go the July dates that they gave me. I am working in July, so I was really worried that I wasn't going to be able to go. I can go. I just hope that they're all still going and that that one doesn't get messed up. Yeah, because that'll be really fun for you. It would be just my luck if it was like my first opportunity ever for three of them to be there (laughs) and it got postponed. I was like, 
of course this is happening to me. Let me tell you something. As you can, as everyone knows just from watching him on television, looking into the eyes of Ian Somerhalder is like, literally, you can't look away. He is... (laughs) The nicest, he has such a calming presence and he looks so deeply into your eyes when you're talking to him. And I'm like, okay, ladies, I get it. I get it. I would like to, I would like to see it. I would like to be there. So he has good hair too. Everybody send me good vibes for July. Okay. <laughs> and Emily is the sweetest. Oh my gosh. She's delightful. I'm so excited. So, okay. So Redzinski, these are some of the spoiler thoughts that I had about the first part of the of the finale, but I brought them into here so we could talk about Radzinski because maybe you have some more insight, Joe. Okay. So Radzinski is the one who made the edits on the orientation tape. Yes. But we're, we're not exactly sure how it got to the arrow inside the Bible because obviously that happened before he passed away. Right. But I don't think we know. He must have been working with someone else who at least knew about it. I, I don't really know either. Right. Why would he specifically get rid of the communication part? Because the part that gets cut out is about not using the computer for communication. I wonder if it's because he used to work in the flame, which was like the only computer that was meant to use yeah, maybe for communication. But he, he cut out the part that was about not using it for communication. So maybe he was doing it so that he could use it for communication. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. He wanted to post his lost theories on the internet. Yeah. I mean, given that, uh, you know, uh, quote unquote, Walt communicated with Michael using the computer in the swan. So yeah. That's true, that's true. And then Radzinski ended up working inside the swan after he designed it. I feel like that was punishment for a lot of things we saw. I like that idea because I kept being like, why would you want to do that? I don't think it was his choice. I think he was banished. Okay, I love that. Yeah. That's about yeah. And then that's part of like why he was so miserable. Yeah. I guess. Okay. So my next question is, what is the timeline of the purge? Because obviously Radzinski didn't die in the purge. He wasn't in town at the time. He wasn't in Otherville. Right. So it could be that he was at the flame. But if Ben was part of, or maybe he was already in the swan? Maybe, yeah. My thing is like, if Ben was part of the Dharma Initiative, wouldn't he know like that there were other others in, in other stations? Maybe he needed certain people with the certain skills they needed them alive. Yeah, I guess so. And he didn't yeah, need them to witness that he did the purge. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I don't think cameras were at the Otherville, so I don't, I don't know that we ever saw cameras there that were absorbing activities. Was part of Redzinski. Like, Redzinski's stuck in the swan, and he doesn't really have communication with anybody. Maybe somehow he finds out about the purge, and that kind of, like, adds to his, like, sense of doom. Maybe, yeah. Maybe? Yeah, I mean, maybe timeline-wise, maybe timeline-wise, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. My next, I think this might be the last one for the flashbacks other than the ending, but my next one was, uh, we know that Desmond lives past the finale, and I just wanted to say that he probably still hasn't read Our Mutual Friend. You know what, that's an excellent point. makes me happy. He's sitting there sipping his McCutcheon, not reading that book. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay, so the ending with Penny. Um, Widmore may have told her that it was an island, but I don't know why he would do that. I don't... He was on a boat! I mean... No, but why would Widmore tell Penny that it was an island? Remember uh, in season four when she helps rescue everybody? Um, that she yes, asked, and, it's that, and it's still those two guys, which is so cool. That they're the ones who are out on the boat with her. Exactly. And, like, so obviously with Charlie dies trying to say not Penny's boat, when she's like, island what island? So... That's when she figures out. Oh, true. Out. That's when she starts getting a boat and getting toward the coordinates. Because I think because the island moved, she wasn't sure where. Right. She wasn't sure what, oh, kind sure. Of, what kind of location she was looking for. Right. And so we found it. The it must be the electromagnetic al- anomaly. That, that's how yeah. I interpreted oh. it. Yeah. 
So they found where it moved to so that she could find them? I believe so. Okay, because it takes her like two seasons to find him. I mean, time is relative, just like now. <laughs> That's true. It's really only like, because season four only takes takes place over one, like a week. Well, oh my God. Yeah. And think about it. Simultaneously, as Penny Widmore's out there with her crew, hopefully funded by her separate, her dad doesn't know about it. He's the one who sent the freighter crew in to kill everybody on his boat. So that's true, right? They are operating simultaneously and separately. It's not Penny's boat, but it is a Widmore's boat. Yeah. Oh man, I really hate that guy. <laughs> so Allendale is so cool. Yeah. He is cool. I literally accidentally sat next to him at Comic Con and started laughing. And he's like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Because I was at a breakfast like commute it was a community table and I was getting breakfast early in the morning and he was there with his agent or manager and he was talking shop and I was literally just reading Muslim news on my phone and I was giggling a little bit and he goes, Before I start talking about other people do you know who I am? And I said, yeah, I, I used to have a lost blog. And he goes, okay, great. And they just started talking about other people. It was great. Yes! <laughs> great. He was like, oh, okay, you're cool. You can hang. If he had been like, no, if you had been like, uh, no, he would have been like, okay, I'm moving. No, it was great because it was about a different show he was on. And then after he goes, we should take a picture. And so I have a great picture of me wearing a orphan black t-shirt with Charles Widmore. That is, that's iconic. Can I have your life? Just wondering. Listen, a lot of it is actual coincidence. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, don't mistake coincidence for fate, Joe. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was the nerdiest thing I've heard so far, and we're on a lost podcast. <laughs> um, that's all I've got. Do you have any other spoiler thoughts that you want to mention? I think so. I'm sure there's other stuff, stuff I meant to tell you, but I don't know. I my time is relative. Oh, we were gonna talk about Michael. Oh, Harold's. Uh, yeah, oh, right, yeah, yeah. My understanding is that Harold was, you know, a little disappointed with the trajectory, at least the first few seasons, and 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 leaving the island. I think that obviously, like I said before, with Malcolm David Kelly's growth, unfortunately, they were a package, and I don't think they needed to mm-hmm. be. Right. Yeah. Um, I was really happy and very surprised to meet Kevin Johnson when it first aired. I loved that mm-hmm. he was the mole. I was just love. I I love seeing Harold. I think he's such a dynamic actor. He's got such range. He's doing amazing work right now on Claws. He's good at everything he does. Mm-hmm. He's so good, and that's why it's like even if Walt had been taken by the others and Michael had stuck around, his arc would be stagnant because it would be always be about Walt. Right. And I wish that I, uh, my hope and uh, before all this happened was that it would eventually settle in and not be about him. That maybe he'd be like, I thought, okay, exactly. maybe they'll be able to send Walt safely off the island. Right. And then Michael would just stick around and know that he was safe and it was okay. And then he could stay. Yeah. Because obviously he, he was such an interesting dynamic with Jin and son and Saeed yes. and, and like, I think it would. And Sawyer even. And Sawyer. Yeah. And I think he could have emerged. Well, not as a leader after what he did, but, um, <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I did think I don't think he got the short end of the stick, but I think I feel his disappointment. I get it. I mean, he had the potential to be a character that was much like like Anna Lucia. Yeah. In terms of like you screwed up, but you can still like try and make amends through constantly doing good work. And mm-hmm. I think that could have been like a huge arc for him. And they just kind of I definitely feel like he was brushed aside a little. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. It sucks because it was like, you know, he was one of like, what, three black characters on the show and he's not, he wasn't there for most of it. And I was like, this is so unfair because like he was a single dad. He had so much potential. I'm very attached to Michael. Yeah. (laughs) It's like we also, I mean, it it was despite what he had to do to get Walt back. I just think he was such an interesting character. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think the things that he did to get Walt back made him fascinating because it was like that dad override that like just trumped all of it. And I was like, that's just a real, oh, that phrase has been really ruined. 
I know. Um, but I just, I just thought that was such an interesting to like try and make amends for that with the others and have them either understand or not would have been fascinating. Yes. I know that they needed somebody to show who the whispers were, but it's just, yeah. it's, I'm upset that it was Michael. That I don't think he deserved a great to be. Scene. We don't talk stuck. about it. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael deserved a happy ending. Yeah. I think he deserved to be in the church. Yes. Personally, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a certain uh, waiting to settle your demon situation and that maybe he needs to, just like uh, Ben Linus waited to make peace with Alex and figure out his life with Rousseau, that maybe it was a technicality of he was waiting to make amends with Walt in the Flash Sideways. Mm-hmm. That's the way I think. Oh, yeah. Because Walt isn't in the Flash Sideways either because presumably the people that, like, he lived much longer and therefore spent the most important moments of his life with other people. Yes. So that's why he's not there. That's why Aaron's not there. I mean, he is because he gets, like, born. But, like, you know. You could also argue it's for Michael, the same thing that wasn't the most important time in his life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, Anna Lucia and Libby are both in the flash sideways. Libby's in the church. Anna isn't. But, but uh, yeah, I'm still sad that Michael didn't get to be in the flash sideways of the church. We agree on that. All right. Well, Joe, thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you. Honestly, it's always a pleasure. And if it takes you uh, six months or a year, I'll come back for the season three finale if you want. Uh, We would love that. Every finale. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah. (laughs) I have you written down for them. So. Excellent. (laughs) I'm uh, I'm pretty free. FYI. Um... Yeah, it's a time. I hope I would just like to say to you guys and everyone out there that even if it's a month from now, that it be kind to yourself. I think the healthiest thing you can do is be kind to yourself. And then that helps you get through everything you're going through. Yeah, sending good vibes to everyone. Hope you're staying safe and staying healthy. And hopefully we, we can all get through this together. And um, definitely before July, because um, I need to meet Dom and Emily and Ian. Yeah. So. so stay the <laughs> f- inside. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, can you remind us one more time where we can find you on the internet? Absolutely. Um, I am everywhere at Joe Opinionated, which is the word opinionated with a J, and also at CancerGetsLost and CancerGetsLost.org. Perfect. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Your quality may vary on that one. Yeah. yeah. We are at The Aficionados. Almost everywhere, our email is aficionadospodcast at gmail.com if you want to send us a voicemail or your thoughts in email form. Um, and our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. We could use your help, um, but the next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. So if you've got someone who's watching Lost for the first time or has watched Lost a bajillion times, um, you can recommend this podcast. And if you're, lo- if you're trying to get somebody to start watching it, you can also offer it to them on a platter. <laughs> we say thank you. <laughs> Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. I think I crashed your plane.